Hello, and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Welcome to the goddamn Ghoul Squad Podcast. I am your host, E-Motherfucking Dog, and with me as always is Mr. Kigi E-Motherfucking Kigi. Yeah, K-E-G-G-Y. <laughs> How you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you, Eric? I'm fantastic. We finally recorded after yes. like four months. And it's my fault. This has all been my fault, I feel. I think. You don't Great. think so? Yes, let's put all the blame on you and okay, not me. Okay, fantastic. No hiatus coming. Not yet? No, no. I'm always ready for part two. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Where in Carlsbad, New Mexico, two <laughs> buddies sit in, in front of each other and talk horror films. What's our topic? We this talk. Episode. Oh, well, this episode. This episode specifically. We're going to be it, discussing Eric? the man of our dreams. We're going to be discussing the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I feel like you should just do this podcast on your own. Uh, You're doing such a good job. One of the most classic horror films franchises. One of the most wickedly talented uh, directors of all time. About a, about a murdering pedophile. Yes, which is exactly We're gonna what we We're going to celebrate want. a murdering pedophile this episode. Unfortunately. Yes. So, well, he's not real, so I guess we have that going in our that favor. That is true. Yeah. So, yes, we are ranking the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And Keggy. Yes. You, you guys need to be thanking Keggy. Why Let is that? Let me tell you why. Because he watched the Elm Street remake. That's true. And I have to ask you. Let's ask you right I didn't watch no Elm Street but remake. But is it on your ranking? It's not on my I ranking. I hate you, duh. Why, why, you know, why don't, is it not just your last one? Why do you have to not rate it? Because I didn't watch it. You know, it could be a fucking curveball for me where I watch it tomorrow and be like, oh, shit, this was tight. But I mean, that's not going to happen. That's true. But because I didn't watch it, I also didn't watch. I also did not watch Freddy vs. Jason because we discussed it for our Friday right, episode. Right, I forgot to even put it in, in the, the ranking. Did it just you put had it in the ranking? Fif- nope. It just okay. had its 15th anniversary. Well, I love it, but I don't know. I had a hard time with that one. We we recently ranked our Friday the 13th, yep. uh, our favorite Friday the 13th, and I had a hard time ranking the fr- that film, Freddy vs. Jason. In there. I gave it high praise. I remember you saying, it feels too much like an Elm Street it film. Does. So it I does. I guess maybe it would have been appropriate for you to have revisited you for know, this it's, episode. It's funny you say that. That is all I thought about. I thought, you know what? That episode, I said, it feels more like an Elm Street film, and then I'm not even going to fucking it include it on my so list. It feels so much like an Elm Street film to me. Yeah, it does. And I remember when I first watched it, I was like, did I miss an Elm Street sequel where they set up these characters? Right. Yeah. No, it really feels like it, and they use so much bullshit from the nightmare franchise we fucked up not revisiting it i guess i mean i've seen it a hundred times i just didn't want to talk it again right which we're fucking doing right now yes you know we haven't it's funny we haven't talked the nightmare on elm street franchise a lot on the pod like if you think about it we're always talking the friday 13 sequels we're always talking halloween we are but we never really talk nightmare on elm street and i guess we'll get to that every time i'm in the kitchen you're in the kitchen. Yes. All right. And with that, hello, Eric. How are Before you? Before you do any more Friday <laughs> yeah. quotes, we got to cut you off right away. Yes. Um, I'm going to cut you. The Ice Cube Friday. Yes. So uh, hello, everybody out there in Ghoul Squad land. And most importantly, hello, Eric. How are you? I'm I'm happy to be to be recording. What about yourself? Well, I feel great. I'm, I'm so excited to record. And I should say I have a little bit of an excuse why I'm late recording. Uh, my brother got married so hello mr ben preslak who is who has appeared on this podcast before allow me to say congratulations yes congratulations ben uh he got married to uh his lovely wife we have a new preslak in the family so uh that's exciting so yeah we went in this destination wedding in in a in a mountain town in carl's uh not carl's new mexico in new mexico that's right 
And uh, it was amazing. My brother's wedding was fantastic, but it was just like the last like three weeks. That's all I've been doing is like preparing for that. Did you guys have like rehearsals and shit like that? Dress rehearsals, dinner rehearsals. We actually did. Uh, What else type of rehearsals? Jerking off rehearsals. I'm not sure we had that as a rehearsal, but uh, yeah, no. So it was an amazing wedding, but I've just been so busy with that and also playing too much Fortnite, unfortunately. Well, Eric, I'll, a, I'll say the wedding is an okay excuse. What have you been doing? Have well, you, guess what? Have you had dogs? I, I've been, wor- I've been, okay, work, 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 So work, Eric work. works for the United States uh, Reserve. we've established uh, 42 the, episodes ago, but here's what's the exciting. The Postal Service. Here's what's fucking exciting. Okay. Last week. Okay. Duh. August. Monday. Let me start over. Monday, <laughs> August the 20th. 2018, uh-huh. E-Dog finally got his own route. Nice. I only have to do one route. I only have one route to fuck up from here on out. Yes, and Eric's a simple guy, so one route is a I'm big a deal. I'm a simple man. Yeah. He's uh, a simple man. I'm working nine to five. Um, it's exciting. It's, That's awesome. It's, it's awesome. Like, you know, originally for, for two plus years, I would I would jump around wherever yeah. they need me. Jump you know? around. Jump, and it's so cool because even around. though it's only been a little more than a week since I've been doing this, it's great that I'm already like familiar with it. You know, I'm I'm meeting the customers. I'm, you know, it's great. I can- uh, Are there dogs on your route? You know what? I I haven't seen any. Really. Wow. Well- and That's sad. You might as well just quit the service. I might as well, yeah. Might as well just <laughs> hang up the satchel. <laughs> satchel. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, that's so, awesome. So that's, that's really exciting. That's awesome. I never have to come to your route anymore. Thank Christ. I'm very excited. It's well, that's awesome. What's, what's funny? Can, I'm going I'm I'm to keep going Please on this Please keep bullshit. going. This is amazing. I think people like you a little bit. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> who wouldn't? That's true. Um, okay. So there's this route. It's route 14, right? I'm route seven. And you know what's funny? There's a pentagram on my desk. I didn't draw it. It was already there. It was like, it was it like meant to be. It was like meant to be. Right, exactly. Um, you should carve in a ghoul squad logo. I should. I should just fucking do the fiend. Yes. Even though, you know, he's a ghoul. I, I, meant, I meant ghoul squad fiend. Sure. Yeah. So there's this fucking route. Route 14. It's fucking, it's the worst route in the whole fucking goddamn office. Okay. Okay. So routes are supposed to be uh, eight hours long. That's including the time it takes for you to uh, you know, get the, the truck and order. Right. Yes, yes. LLV, right? But, correct. That's true. But Route 14 is no exaggeration like a 9, 10 hour route. Like this motherfucker, uh, whenever he would get counted, when, a, when an inspector would go with him, he would just like haul ass. Okay. So since he was doing it so fast, they kept giving him more and more and more and more and more. And it's fucking, <laughs> it's fucked up, right? Yeah. So for the last two years, like that was like the main route I always had to fucking do. Yeah. And since I always had to fucking do it, like EDOC fucking got it. Like EDOC could dog can handle 14 but now that i have my own route it's like there's this big like awakening it's like oh my god who can do 14 whenever their regular takes off so he took off this week oh jesus christ yeah. and every day they've asked me to do that route this week and they, who, they, someone, they want me to leave my route and you, you, to go can you do tell that them route. no i've told them no every single goddamn time <laughs> so no, i'm done with that route i've served my time i've been abused right. enough e-dog is off have they given you a purple heart yet for your service? I mean, they might as well. You know, I like, <laughs> I, I like to see that bullet. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I asked you about your, your time in the Postal Reserve. Uh-huh. Service? Yes, that's right. Uh, you ever listen to the Postal Service? Uh, that for, well, they only did one album, but it's so good. Yes, that's true. So I think that's it on you and me, right? Oh, no, I do have one more thing. What, what have you been doing? All right, so everybody out there in Ghoul Squad land, I hate to break this to you. I canceled my movie pass subscription. When's the last time you used it, Doc? July 6th. It is currently August. Nope, it's August 31st <laughs> as of recording. 
And uh, no, yeah, so I, I canceled it. The last film I had saw was Ant-Man and the Wasp on July 6th. Which was good. And I saw, you know, I've seen The Meg. I saw Mission Impossible. I saw several other films in there, and I paid for all of them. Didn't get to use MoviePass. Because um, MoviePass wouldn't let you. Yeah, they've been limiting their service. And I think if you're out there and you have MoviePass, you know, you know the struggle. I don't really want to get into it. They're just a piece of shit company, and I got tired of it. Like, the last movie I saw with the service was July 6th. And it's like almost two months later and I'm paying $10 a month for nothing. Like, okay. The final straw, the final straw was we need that. We need that sound from law and order. Uh, the final straw was, uh, it was Tuesday this week. Okay. And I thought maybe I'll go see a movie and it's $5 night. You know what day it is in, in Carlsbad. It's $5 movie night, right? right. Any is that movie. nationwide though? Cause I'll see people like, no, it's just down in theaters. Well, no, I'm saying I'll see people like post. Tuesday is discount night. Yeah. Okay. So $5 movie night in our town, right? So I open the app. There is not zero. There is not a movie available on Tuesday to see. So they won't even pay five five fucking dollars for me to see a movie. So uh, I opened the app. I went to my billing uh, renewal date and I click yeah. cancel and I received the email and I feel better about it. So uh, my roommate, Wes, shout out to Wes. He also canceled uh, a little while ago. He already cut up his card. Nice. Uh, more of just uh, you know to relieve stress. About yeah. the entire thing. So, you know, all your friends are stressed, doc. They are. They're very stressed. So, fuck movie pass. That's where we're at. And uh, I canceled it. And you know what I've decided? What'd you if decide? If I want to see a movie, I'm going to go see it and I'm going to pay for it. And if I'm going to see a movie again, I'm just going to go again. I'm going to pay for it. Like, I almost feel like movie pass liberated me in a way to be like, you know what? Even if I have to pay, it's worth it. Fuck movie pass. Like, I'm just going to go see what I want to see. Cause you could always go on Tuesday. That's it, that's exactly what I've been doing, and I guess the reason I bring it up is like Movie Pass had been making me go see more movies because it was free. Right. Um, I never used it. I didn't. Never, I never had it. But I'm going to use that same mentality. But fuck Movie Pass and just go see movies. But fuck it. So your boy canceled Movie Pass. Rip the service. It probably won't be around by the end of the year. And that's, that's crazy that. that they haven't. Uh, yeah, they like, ran. They ran out of, for bankruptcy yet. Like they ran out of money. Did so, they have to like take out like a massive loan like a month ago? Three hundred million dollar loan. They ran out of money. Jeez. Couldn't buy tickets, so that's why they've they they've essentially made it so hard for you to see a and, movie you can't, so they don't have to pay for it. And they blow through that three hundred million dollars. Oh, instantly because everybody was seeing movies. That's so crazy. So they've gotten rid of that, and I think that's uh, that's that. So movie pass goodbye. We we hardly knew you, and uh, honestly, and I don't want you back. We don't fucking miss you. So, with that, uh, I think it's actually time to get to what we've been watching, unless we have anything else. Our topic this episode, like we said, is going to be the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. But first, we always do what we've been watching, and yes. uh, let's get to that. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Yeah, we're going to start with a recent film. Uh, we're going to discuss Summer of 84 first. Yes. 
This was a film I was really looking forward to. Me too. What about you, Keggy? <laughs> I hate you. Uh, well, Ida, uh, I was very fucking pumped on this movie. Uh, so I saw the trailer for this, like, I feel like months ago. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, somebody else made another one of these. Like, But we like the genre. I love these. We like the kids on bikes. I love genre. it. We love, love E.T., we love Stranger Things. We yes. love it. Even Super Dark Times, which is 90s, but it's 90s it's kids still on bikes. kids on bikes. And it's nostalgia driven and shit like that. You know what? I remember one time on the pod, you t- you said, man, I just want to ride bikes and solve mysteries. And me too. Absolutely. That's so all I want to do. This film, okay, Ida, does, did it scratch your itch? Did you like it? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Eric's uh, sitting up in his chair. He's sighing. I like it, but like it's, I don't feel like it, it did anything for me. Like I'm not ready for a rewatch. Sure. I'm not here to tell our listeners, you got to get to summer of 84 right away. Uh, how'd you feel about it? So I feel slightly opposite of you, okay. which is, I, I definitely agree. So we're talking summer of 84 and not let's, summer of 85. We're talking about summer of 84. So I'll briefly say what it is. Then we should explain what the movie is. Yes. But, um, I, Okay, so I loved I loved Summer of '84. Oh, wow, he loved it. Keggy loved it. But you're right. I Easy's don't, lukewarm. I don't think it ascends to anything. Like it's not Stranger Things. It's not. I felt like I really liked what the film was, but I I really was hoping it was going to be more. I guess here's my yeah. I, I, I sure. I feel like you're you're describing how I felt like it. Yeah. I felt like it was an hour of twenty. I felt like it was an hour and twenty minutes of like it's building. Yeah, it's building. And give me something. But I, I feel like the ending, which we really can't talk about, the ending, once it happened, I was really surprised by the final moments of this film, like the last 15, 20 minutes. Right. But once it was done, I go, oh, like that's what this movie was. It wasn't. But should we have to wait that long? I don't think so. But I think rewatching it, it might be fun to know where it, where it ends up. Where it's going to. Um, rather than worrying so much about the mystery, you can just enjoy the kids and stuff. So summer of 84. Eric, you, you're good at this. What's That's it about? another thing. What's it? Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I had, a, I had a hard time buying the kids. Yeah. I didn't believe the nerdy kid. I didn't believe the punk kid. Sure. I was okay with the main kid, and I enjoyed the fat kid. Yeah. I, I really liked them. I thought they were... I don't know. There, there wasn't much chemistry in compared to other kids in the films we just yeah, mentioned. Yeah, but at the same time, like the films we mentioned, like even Super 8 or Stranger Things, which is a TV show, but like those have much more money. This did feel like... I was kind of surprised how okay. how okay. much they were able to do with this because it did seem like a really cheap movie, but they did have period cars. They did have period stores. They did have period clothes. I hated his shoes. I why? Why those fucking shoes that he wore whenever riding his bike? I, I don't know. They pissed me off. So tell us what it's about. Okay, summer of '84 is about uh, four kids, best friends, uh, riding bikes, riding bikes. Uh, one of them believes uh, his neighbor, who is a police officer, is a serial killer. Of course, nobody believes him. Believes him. Uh, it even takes him a little bit to convince his friends to yeah. help him. To collect evidence against this against uh, this man, and they tried to find out is this man a serial killer or not. Perfect, and it really you can already kind of tell from the description, it's really a melding of like Rear Window mixed with just gonna say that. Uh, Shane saw and Kayla. It's probably paranormal. To, they they had exactly said you're gonna. They t- they they had told me I was gonna like this movie, and they were right. Hello guys. Um, they had told me that it was a mixture of you know Disturbia, Rear Window mixed with Fright Night. 
you know, that, that type of film with Stranger Things and something like um, Super 8, I guess, in a way. And that's what it is. It's it's rear window Disturbia mixed with 80s nostalgia kids on bikes. Right. And that's what it is. Right. And I guess, like, for that, I really liked it. You know what? The way I felt at the end of the film, I do have to say I felt like – the reason I feel like I really liked it is I felt like I had gone on a journey with these characters and the kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, wow, like, I really – I don't know. I did sort of bond with the main character. Like I felt like I had gone somewhere when it ended. I was like, man, I wish I could still be on that cul-de-sac. So I feel like it worked well enough, but at the same time, I don't think it's a perfect film at all. Like, I don't think it's near as good as like you're saying stranger things or stuff like that, but it is good. I think this movie is good. And I, you were saying you don't, you don't want to tell people like go out and watch summer of 84 Keegan. I would like to tell you guys go out and watch Summer of '84 because you'll really like it. It's not the best movie ever, but it's it is it is a blast. Uh, I guess my expectations were just so darn high because it was the directorial team of Turbo Kid, and Turbo Kid That's is a good point. Fucking great, Turbo Kid <laughs> yeah. is badass. Now go out and watch Turbo Kid ASAP. Yes, um, I almost think I like this more than Turbo Kid though, <sighs> and I think Turbo Kid is incredible. I just don't love it like everybody else loves it. Now, see, Turbo Kid does the exact same thing where, uh, you know, it's trying to be nostalgic. And I felt like they really hit the nail on the head with Turbo Kid. So I don't know why, in my opinion, um, they fumbled the ball a bit with Summer of 84. I feel like the film just sort of... Maybe they didn't write it. I mean, Summer of 84 kind of middles in like... The middle of the film is kind of middling. It's like, I don't know. Maybe he did it. Maybe he didn't. Like, it just kind of loses its steam, I feel like. Right. But the thing Would that, you call it horror? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, if Disturbia or especially Rear Window is horror, then yeah, I think it's horror. Okay. So um, the main thing I was going to say, though, is I really did like the relationship of the main character and the girl that he likes. Oh, yeah. Which I don't know if you remember. That's the girl from... Uh, that is Betty's sister in Riverdale. Oh, I... That's no, her. Now I know that because yep. you said that, but no, that, I didn't make that connection watching the film. I guess uh, the reason I was most turned off about the film, I said, you know, I felt like it built and then didn't go anywhere sure. until um, the film was time to end. Um, normally I'm okay with, in you know, I hope this isn't a spoiler, uh, with downer endings, but the film for me ended so down. Yeah. I felt bad. So I liked... You know, I, I agree with you. Like when it first ended, I was like, fuck. And then the more I sat on my couch, I was like, actually, that's kind of fucking badass. Like, I can't think of another movie about kids that so clearly is just on such a savage note, kind of fuck you. Like, and I kind of liked that. Not just because we always talk about kids and Pearl. Yeah. But was this too much for E-Dog? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, we don't want to spoil it, but definitely it, it does. It is kind of a downer film, but it's also a lot of fun. So I mean I really I really liked I, it. You know what? I think you may have just I think I can sum it up for E Dog now. Sure. The idea of kids bonding and you know having fun together, even if they're um, you know, in a scary situation, like that seems fun. Yeah. And so I guess the idea that things did not end well, maybe that's why I didn't like yeah. it. No, I totally get it. I mean, like I'm trying to explain that when it ended, I felt the way you did. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? 
Like that's kind of badass and ballsy that like we don't have 80s nostalgia kids films or stories like this. Right. And I feel like it's a new, I felt like I had seen something new, even though it was treading in waters that I've seen like a million times. Right. There was a new element to it. I was like, holy shit, like that's fucked up. I guess I want, um, I guess I want them holding hands, making a pact that they'll return should the evil return. Right. Um, a la it. But uh, so let me read my notes. Cause okay. This read, is always fun to them, do. Read those notes. Down. Summer of 84. Amazing. Kind of uneven, but a shotgun blast of 80s nostalgia. Bone chilling at times, which I did think it was. Uh, hot girl from Riverdale. That is something I wrote down here. Whoops, I guess I should delete that. Uh, really feel like I went on a journey with these kids. So I feel like I already said my notes, but there you go. Summer of 84. Um, I would definitely recommend people to see it. And I don't, you know, it's not the best movie ever. But if you watch this, you're not going to be disappointed, I don't think. But don't, like Eric's saying, don't have super high expectations. Right. Go in knowing it is an indie film, but it's a good indie film, I think. So anything else on Summer of 84? Those are my thoughts. All right, do we want to keep doing doubles or should you? Eric has like 30 movies he has to do. Let's hear one from you. All right, I want to talk about one I watched last night. And and soon you will hear us talk The Meg and possibly even Slenderman. But first. Oh, shit. I don't even have those films on but my first, list. first, Eric, give me a Let film. Down. Uh, last night I watched Lee Wannell's Upgrade. Yes, I want to see it, please. Uh, this is not a horror film at all. This but, is but 100%. Lee- science fiction but it's written directed by the man who fucking wrote in cities and saw yeah how crazy is that he created not one but two horror franchises well him and james wan i mean okay he co-created not okay, one all right. but two uh giant sure horror franchises um this movie's a blast but again it's not a horror film uh this man and his wife are attacked his wife is murdered he is left paralyzed this billionaire comes to him and tells him that he can implant this chip into his spine that will give him the ability uh to walk again uh once he does he realizes that the chip is artificial intelligence and can speak to him and move for him so uh with his newfound uh, ability to uh move again he decides to go after the men who killed his wife. Okay. Um, I saw it described on IMDb last night as Robocop meets Death Wish. While I I don't entirely agree with that. That's the Bruce a, Willis Death Wish? Oh, fuck no. Uh, that's an easy way to describe uh, this film. Um, there is some terrific, although brief, gore in the film. Um, I'm super into that it's like, hard R science fiction. Yeah. Like this is what we need in 2018. Like this is back, you know, like in eighties when they made action films for adults, but toys for the kids. Yeah. Like I, like if they came out with a fucking, uh, Logan Marshall green toy, yes, Logan Marshall green upgrade toy. I'd be like, this is fucking sick. I think um, we're, we're Logan Marshall green fans here. I'm afraid I don't know what else he's done aside from Prometheus. Wait, he was the main character of The Invitation, right? Oh, man, The Invitation yeah. is so good. Yeah. Invitation's fucking great. Um, I think you'll eat it up. I do, too. Because you are a sci-fi guy. It's not Blade Runner 2049. What it, is? Uh, it's, it's fucking Blade Runner 2049 on a fucking budget. But okay. it's great, dude. Uh, if it was horror, it would definitely top my uh, like favorite lists. Uh, 2018 but since i'm calling it straight sci-fi uh, i'm not going to include it on my uh, end of the year list but it's great dude it's really good yeah i really really want to see it but i feel like when i saw the trailer like i feel like that's i don't know you're you're selling me that i feel like the trailer is like the whole thing not not the story but like 
Okay, crazy camera moves. Crazy, you're correct. Okay. Like, okay, so like, like there's, there's, like there's a moment in the trailer like when you see him like fight a guy. And he like and comes up off the ground and the camera like spins. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's the chip moving for him. Okay. Um, Like I kept anticipating that. And fortunately, there is more of that. That's not right. Um, in the trailer. But uh, unfortunately, the trailer did give a lot. Okay. So I guess if you haven't seen the trailer for Upgrade. Don't watch you, it. And you like Lee Wanell. Just go in blind. You know what? This should be a franchise. Nah, never mind. Never mind. I take that back. You take it back? I, t- I take it back because of the way it ends. Okay. Um, I mean, hey, you can make a franchise out of anything. But you know what? He, Lee Wanell, man, that dude's a creative motherfucker. I definitely agree, man. I mean, Cooties was good. Um, it was okay, but Cooties it was good. Cooties is rough, but I like Cooties. Yeah, I like Lee. It's weird. Like, I feel like people are really coming out to, de- not to defend, sorry, but to uh, promote like this film, like all of film, film Twitter is like going nuts over upgrade. Well, here's what's crazy about it. It's, I feel like it's going to be the sleeper film of 2018. Yeah. I, I, I got the blue. I went to Walmart last night. Have you noticed how like, uh, usually new blues at Walmart are just like ravished? Yeah. Like if you go Wednesday or Thursday, I go Tuesday after work. This is yesterday. There's just two fucking full rows of the blue, uh, I guess what I'm getting at is like, are people sleeping on this film? The 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 blue is just bare bones. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like the studio doesn't give a fuck. Either. I think it's Blumhouse, isn't it? It is Blumhouse. Yeah, it's like that. Um, but what I'm getting at is, don't sleep on it. It's it's really good, guys. It's dope that Blumhouse didn't shit it out. Yes, it did go straight to Blu-ray, but it ha- number one, it has a Blu-ray, and two, it's in Walmart, and it's like a full-on release. A release. Uh, it was limited, wasn't it? It was limited. It played. I mean, it's not. It wasn't summer of '84 limited. Okay, but I think this is a Blumhouse tilt film, right? I mean, I felt like it was in Hobbs or Roswell, right? Upgrade? Yeah, I don't remember that. Uh, eh, maybe, maybe. Um, I definitely need to see it for sure. Yes, it's and that was upgrade, guys. Lee Wanell. Lee Wanell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also forgot to mention at the top of the mm-hmm. show here. Uh, Eric and I both have some kind of like allergy fuck up thing going on mm. in our. Uh, so if we sound more shitty than yeah. normal, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to my voice right now. I'm like, God damn it, Keggy, you I sound can, like I keep shit. Having to lean over to cough. Yes, and, and for other reasons too. No, I'm kidding. So uh, that was Lee Wanell's upgrade. I feel like it's a bad title for a film. It's like nothing upgrade. It makes it makes sense to the film. Okay, sure. I guess RoboCop is a. A better title than Upgrade. And, and what's, oh, never mind, never mind. All right, so Upgrade. Maybe that's why I liked it, because it had like RoboCop, Robocop nostalgia. Ideas. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I guess I'll, I'll do one on my own, and then we'll do a split one. Okay. All right, so I've got, I finished last night something that really isn't horror, okay. but I'm very excited to talk about, and is horror. It's about a killer, but it's Sharp Objects on HBO. Amy Adams. Amy Adams, and it's uh, I have the director's name Jean Marc Vallée, uh, and this is you know the new Amy Adams show on HBO, Sharp Objects. It's by it was written by Gillian or Gillian Flynn of Gone Girl fame. Yes, and dude, this thing is fucking amazing. Now I should say this is uh, okay. I've talked about it on the previous uh, pot on the previous episode, but uh, it wasn't over yet. Well, I just watched the last episode last night. Six just, episodes? Uh, eight. Eight. It just ended on Sunday. And, uh, I mean, this is a fucking show. Like, this is a fucking adult TV show made for adults about adults. Like, 
and I love when TV is like unhinged and doesn't give a fuck and is like, you know, what? you're gonna have to sit here and wait. Like, we're not gonna tell the story based on like, we have to have a twist at the end of every episode. We have to hold your hand every five seconds. Otherwise you won't watch. This thing is like, fuck it. This is the show. This is the story. It's a super adult way to tell a story. And, uh, it's fucking great, man. So I kind of talked about on the last podcast podcast, but what it is, is, uh, Amy Adams is a reporter. She lives in St. Louis and she's recruited to go write a story about these murders that are happening in her hometown. Um, and they recruit her to do it because she's from there. So, uh, she goes back to her hometown to, uh, figure out where these missing girls are. Well, at the end of the first episode, I don't think it's a spoiler to say a body is produced in the first episode. And you're like, Oh shit. Okay. They're not missing. Like this is a fucking murder mystery. And, uh, the girl is missing all her teeth. So, you know, this got me going. I'm like, all right, I'm in, I'm fucking in. This is a murder mystery. It's, it's going to be a blast. And what, what ultimately the show becomes is like I've said before, it's Amy Adams driving around drinking vodka out of an Evian bottle and, uh, interviewing people in the town, finding out more and more about this mystery. And, you know, it's this, I think it's wind gap, Missouri, I think is where she is. I don't even know if that's a real place, but the show certainly sold this place. I mean, I, I compare it to what true detective did for Louisiana. I don't know. You okay. remember that? Like you felt like you were sweaty and in the swamp and just shit. And you just, it's a sense of place. Like I've never seen and sharp objects has that. Like, I feel like I've been to that fucking place. Like if they move the camera, the set wouldn't end. Like it's, 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 you're fucking there, uh, in this sweaty, uh, kind of backwoods place. And, uh, okay. So I've seen the whole show and I have to say, lots of twists and turns here. Uh, goes fucking crazy at the end, but again, goes crazy in a real, you know, re- re- uh, held back type of way where the show is not ready to tell you everything at once. And then when it finally tells you what it is, the show's over immediately. And it's fucking awesome. Um, so Sharp Objects on HBO. This show is, in my opinion, the show of the summer. Um, I am watching the other show of the summer, which is Castle Rock, which we'll, I'll talk about. But uh, yeah, this is this is one of my favorite things I've seen in a long time. Is sharp sharp objects like violent? I mean, not really, because you is know, it, is it more mystery than it is confrontation? Yes, so it's more mystery. I mean, it's it's more. Um, I mean, it's a graphic show, but it's more graphic and like there is violence, but it's not against other people. Like, there's a lot of self harm in sharp objects, which is why it's called that. And there's also a lot of. Uh, sex i mean for lack of a better description there's a lot of sex in the show and there's a lot of fucked up sex so um like i said it's an adult show about this mystery and again as soon as it wants to tell you it's like we're fucking out we'll see you later thanks for watching sharp objects and it's like wow that's what this show was holy shit uh eight hours and you're just like okay cool like i just feel like you know i'm gonna this is gonna be pretentious and i'll leave it at this i feel like there is a few things that I feel like are elevated TV, okay. which I know is a very pretentious thing to say. Sharp Objects, True Detective Season 1, uh, Leftovers, elevated TV. Like this is adult storytelling for adults that doesn't give a shit about time. And uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'm kidding. Uh, so anyways. Oh, I wasn't. That is Sharp Objects. Sharp objects. And please, if uh, that, any of that sounds cool to you, get on it. It's fucking great. Eight hours of uh, masterful, 
Um, directed insane, edited insane. You'll know what I'm talking about when you see it. It is a baffling Any TV long show. tracking shots? Not a lot of long tracking shots, but when I say editing, it's like there will be a character that's being portrayed in a flashback, and then that character will be in the same scene as the Amy presence. Adams, and then it'll cut again, and she's sitting there, and there's nobody there. Like, it is really impressive editing, really impressive storytelling. Sharp Objects, I'm done. I wanted to gush over it, and I think I did. Fantastic show. Eric, uh, what do you want to talk next together? Uh, well, what else do you got that we've done together? The Meg? Yeah, The Meg. I mean, I know it's not horror, but let's talk it for a minute here. Okay, sure. You go first. All right. Uh, I had a terrible first watch of this film. Oh, one of the worst experiences ever. Uh, it was 100 degrees in the theater. Uh, there was these people sitting behind us that were just loud as fuck. Yes, uh, shout out I, to them. I fell asleep. Uh, went back a second time. How could you fall asleep with the movie playing and them being loud behind us? And it being hot as fuck. I guess I was just tired though. Okay. We went to like the 9.30 Thursday night show. But- I have to I have to verify. I That is the hottest I've ever been in a theater. I almost got up and went outside for for some air because it was so I couldn't even breathe in there. It was so fucking hot. What's funny is I've even had the opposite theatrical experience where it was so cold. Me too. Where I was just like, and I'd rather have that. I was gonna say I can than, handle that. At least you can breathe in the fucking cold. hot. Yeah. Um. Shout out to Allen Theaters for that. Yeah. Bastards. Oh, so I went a second time with my, with uh, my mother and a good friend of mine, and uh, I I enjoyed it. It's yeah. Not, it's not like fucking movie of 2018. I don't know if I'll ever fucking watch that fucking movie again. Sure. But it's like fun summer kind of like throwaway trash. Yes. And like, that's tight. It's cool. It's fun. Um, I love giant monsters. Me too. And that's pretty much what the fucking Meg is. Yeah. I could have used some violence. I could have used some gore. But uh, it's fun. It's fine. So you it's know, a watchable film. You know I always write notes for my films. But lay them on I have now. the Meg. Needs more carnage. Yes. That's it. That's my only note because that's the only thing that it needs. Uh, it's a dumbass, big, dumbass fucking movie. Um, but it's a blast and it's fun. But, it, you know, on in films like this, you want to see, like, okay, Jaws. You want to see people eating. You want to yeah. see people eating. Hell, I would even say Jaws, which doesn't have a lot of carnage, has way more carnage than this fucking movie. Right. And, man, how disappointing was that beach scene? Yeah. There's literally no, thousands and thousands of people. And he just like swims by. I don't know. Uh, they set off a well signal that attracts the Meg to go in the opposite direction. And you're like, whoa, motherfucker. You're going to put this giant ass fucking, I don't know, 100 foot shark into a fucking water with a thousand fucking people. And it's just not going to eat nobody. Yeah. And obviously it's rated PG-13. Yeah. And that's I why I read that the director like wanted hard R. Yeah, but the, but the studio was like, nah. Duh. Apparently, like they were being interviewed right before it was coming out, and uh, Jason Statham and the director John Turtletop, uh, who also did the National Treasure films, which I'm a fan of, uh, they were both talking about. They're like, yeah, like we pushed for it. We had this movie more fucked up, and this is what we got, which is PG-13. And you know, if there was another a more carnage uh, soaked version, a carnage cut, if you will. Uh, that'd be awesome, but you know, as it stands, you're right. It's fun. I probably never see it again. It's a perfect movie to go on FX, right? And see during the summer and uh, see 20 minutes Sunday of morning and and fall asleep or change the channel. Um, but you know, it it was it was really was not an awful film at all. No, like I've no. seen way worse movies this year. In fact, I would, I enjoyed the Meg more than Summer of '84. Really, <laughs> really, holy shit! Uh, no, so I like Summer of '84 more. But yeah, so I mean, I guess that's kind of it with the Meg. 
it just needed more carnage. I mean, I like what they tried to do. It's based on a book. Um, the other books have more monsters in it. Okay. Uh, the Megalodon fights like uh, T-Rex. A, a giant, giant squid. Uh, eventually, there's a Mosasaurus in it, which is like the big thing in Jurassic World, the water creature. Ah, well, give uh, me the mega sequel then. Yeah. So like, and it made $400 million already. That's awesome. That's like, doing well. I think the Meg has made more than Justice League did last year. I know it's already made more than Han Solo this year. Yeah, that there you go. It, it's fucking baffling. But I think it's cool. Like, hey. That's cool that... Like, shark want to see that and shark movies are in like i want to see it too uh the shallows made a lot of money 47 yeah. meters down made a yep. lot of money yep and now the meg so like bring them on bring on shark movies give us shark movies dog give us shark night <clears throat> give us bait but maybe give us some titties like follow piranha's lead let me ask you this was uh the shallows rated r i think it was right i think but don't quote i'm dog. pretty sure it was because there's some carnage in it and, uh, that's a film I'd like to revisit. That's a great movie. That's better than The Meg. I mean, no question. Oh, yeah, yeah. That Charles director is, is fucking out of hand. Uh, Jean Joilet Jadroux. <laughs> I don't know his fucking name. Uh, do you remember whenever I made the joke about an Italian director's name and I said Lamberto Tortellini? Yes. That's my favorite joke I made on the podcast. Yes. So that is The Meg. That is The Meg. Fuck it, dog. Go into Slenderman. You want Man. me to do Slenderman? Oh, it's so bad, dog. Uh. It's right. so bad. I, ha- I had an even worse theatrical tell screening. us your because the movie's so bad tell us your experience oh dude I, we were sandwiched in between the loudest group of fucking kids and i'm not saying if they were quiet it would have made the film better but it was, i was just like aggravated while watching this terrible fucking film please discuss slender man all right so slender man i had a totally separate experience i saw it three weeks later with my little sister in uh in the town that my parents live in uh near my, the town my parents live in and uh, we were the only two people in the theater, which sounds, uh, I guess, better than what I had. It definitely was. Um, okay, so Slender Man sucks, right? It's a piece of shit movie. Let me get that out of the way. I like when he grows all those legs at the end. <laughs> that was tight. There's some cool shit at the end. But I have to say, like, the first half of the film is a competent, okay horror movie. Would you agree that there was, like, moments where it was like, wait a minute. They might be doing something. Yeah. They might be doing something cool here. And then it was like, <laughs> this movie sucks. And then there's a fucking FaceTime call from Slender, Slender Man. Man. There's right. two Slender Man FaceTime calls. Slender Man, he uses technology. He uses technology. Now, here's let me tell you something that's terrifying about ancient legends that have ex- existed for thousands of years. Okay, lay it on me, Doc. When they use technology that's been around for the last five years to scare you. Yeah. This is an ancient legend, supposedly, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a part where uses, she's like studying myths that go right. back so far that could connect to Slenderman. Right. And Slenderman uses FaceTime. Slenderman got an iPhone though. Look, Slenderman's hip. I, I have to Slender, say, Slenderman he, got an iPhone. He's wearing like trip pants. He's on fucking Twitter. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's he's, he's, he's verified. Coming for your ass. I'm coming for y'all, kids. Yeah. So, um, okay. So the first, you you heard the bell toll three times. And I'm coming for your ass. It's me. Yes. So. Uh, Slender Man, the first half of the movie, I actually thought, you know, this is an okay teen horror film. This is, I think the first half is better than like Wish Upon. The first half, let me, let me get to it. Give me Wish Upon over Slender Man. So the first half of the film is like, okay, I feel like they were setting it up well. And then as the film progresses, I feel like they had to cut a bunch of stuff because what we've heard is that Sony and Screen Gems got scared right before they released the film, which was they didn't want any gratuitous violence with the kids because it was... Was it supposed s- to be R? 
No, no, but they took it out because of the the real life case where those girls killed oh. their best friend. Gotcha. And so they got all this backlash from like the families and shit, which like while I really sympathize with those people, in fact, I watched the Slenderman documentary on uh, HBO about that before I saw the film and like that's really fucked up and scary and I feel bad for those parents, but like we make films about like the Holocaust. Right. And you know, we, ma- we make films. Holocaust. Yeah. We make films about like true stories to show like these atrocities, right? These atrocities. And it's a fucking horror movie that with a fake monster. I mean, it's not real. Right. Um, so while I sympathize with the, I don't, I don't know Dow, he verified on Twitter. He uses FaceTime. Yep. He has a phone number. Mm-hmm. That Slender man is sneaky. Five, five, five Slender man. Yes. Five, five, five Slender. <laughs> <laughs> Slender Man Star 69. Correct. So uh point being um I think a bunch of scenes are removed because I don't know if you remember you, you probably felt You know what? Slender Man is a busted ass crooked man. Yes. So he's, he's the fucking Walmart crooked man. I think Crooked Man is somehow a little bit based on Slender Man cuz Crooked Man was a Conjuring 2. Slender Man's like started in like 2009, sure. 2010. Um the point I'm trying to make, though, is the first half of None the film. No, no, like two weeks. I hate you, Eric. The first half of the <laughs> film is okay. I don't want... The thing is, I don't want to talk about this movie at all. So I'm just trying to say the first half of the movie is okay. The second half turns into scenes of, like, literally padding. Like, I don't know if you remember, there's a scene where a girl walks down a hallway in a hospital, and it literally is nothing. There's no scare. There's no... Is she just walking down looking scared? Oh, yeah, the main character looks asleep the entire movie. She's barely awake. Right. Jamie King. Nope, that is the that is not the main character. The main okay. character is that other girl. Joey King is the friend. Joey King, Jamie um, King. I feel like she brings some energy. Jonas to the, King. I feel like she brings some energy to the film. Uh, all the other people are asleep. Jonas King. And with that, Slender Man sucks. Uh, it's a frustrating debut of this character because this could have been a lot of fun. Sylvian White. And it's a piece of shit. So Slender Man. And you know what? we just want monster movies. Just give us like okay monster movies though. <clears throat> Okay, my notes for Slenderman. Okay. Starts okay, actually. Okay. Devolves into borderline incomprehensible nonsense. Check. That's it? That's it? Devolves into borderline incomprehensible nonsense. You know what, Dot? You know how much I hated the Dawn, the Day of the Dead remake? Uh, (laughs) Bloodline. I fucking, I'd rather watch Slenderman again, though. Really? That's how bad Bloodline is. Give us your review of Bloodline. That's how fucking, it's just... It's I've done it already. It's I know, a terrible it's a fucking joke. film. You, I think you talked about that movie more than any other movie that podcast because I'm so angry about yes. it. Yes. Uh, so anyway, Slenderman sucks. Uh, yeah. It's just a piece of shit. Yeah. So, give me something from you. All right, I'm gonna do something you, recent. Eric again. Eric has like 30 films, which is a good thing. But prepare. Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Yes. I've never fucking seen a Puppet Master until this film. Have you seen Puppet Master? I now? have not, and I I'm have, very and excited there, and about this. Twelve of them. I don't know if that includes The Littlest Reich. I'm excited to hear what you think about this because I heard, fuck, I don't remember who it was. It might have been someone on Shockwave. Someone didn't like this at all Okay, that I heard recently, so you tell me. Okay, uh, this is coming from somebody who doesn't know shit about Puppet Master. No, no, leave it at that. This is coming from somebody that doesn't know shit, period. I probably, I know more (laughs) about the shit in my pants than I know about shit, period. Littlest Reich. Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Here's what's amazing. There was some like Amazon fuck up whenever it dropped and it was 99 cents to buy. And I had a fuck. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't hear about this. Yeah, dude. It, for some to rent or to buy, it was 99 cents for some reason. And people were like tweeting at Fangoria, like, what the fuck is going on? And they were just like, buy it while you can. What the fuck? Yeah, it was 99 cents. I had a fucking $10 gift card. So I, so I pretty much got it free, even though it was fucking $1.05 with tax. Okay. Okay. 
There is some amazing talent associated with Puppet Master Littlest Reich. That's you, right. Are you ready for me to lay it is down it, on isn't you? Isn't this by the guy that did uh, uh, your favorite movies? You, you're, you're on the right trail. Yep. I have no idea who the directors are, but the guy who wrote it, S. Craig Zeller. That's right. Writer and director of Bone Tomahawk and Brawl in Cell Block 99. Yes. Okay. Fabio Frizzi. The fucking dude who scored the, the Beyond, the Beyond. Yeah, yeah. Zombie scored. Puppet Master, Little is Right. Barbara fucking Crampton, Horror Highness. Dame Barbara Crampton. I wasn't going to call her Scream Queen. Um, she's in this film. There's some amazing, amazing people associated with this film. Now, what this film's about, apparently in the original Puppet Masters, which I've never seen, I've only read about, this man creates these. I'm not a full moon guy. I'm not think, a full moon guy either. Yeah, Charles Eric and I, Band. Yeah, our, I guess Eric I like I dolls because it's Stuart Gordon. Yeah, I've never liked any full moon movies. I mean, I'm not saying they're not good. I've just I've never well, liked. Don't you full love moon. Killjoy? You got the Killjoy tattoo. You need to post that on Instagram. That's true. I do have a Killjoy one, two, three, four, and five. Killjoy is back. Uh, <laughs> tattoo on my arm. Go ahead. Okay, so in the original Puppet Masters, which I've only read about, so if I'm Killjoy's fu- dead. So if I'm fucking wrong. Uh, Sue me. Fuck it. (laughs) Um, This man, Andre Toulon, creates these puppets to kill Nazis. But in Puppet Master, the littlest Reich, they are Nazis. And you learn that over the years, these puppets uh, have wound up in various households. And now there's going to be an auction to sell these puppets. So all these people bring these puppets. uh, They're all staying in the same hotel. The puppets come alive and start killing people. But what's great about it so is it's single location. It's single location. Okay, cool. But what's what's kind of what I liked about it is, is it kind of has a statement. Uh, it they go after minorities initially, so they bring up the fact like these are hate crimes that these puppets are committing, and I like the fact that they addressed that issue. You know, that, sure, uh, Nazis are bad fucking people. Yes, yes. I'm glad. I'm glad you, you took the time to make that statement on this podcast. Yes. Nazi punks, fuck off. Yes. So what ensues is is 90 minutes of just ridiculous violence and gore. And what did Eric think of Puppet Master, okay, The Littlest so, Right? So when I first watched it, I was like, okay. That was worth $1.05. Since then, I've been like, damn. Littlest Right some shit. E-Dog likes The Littlest Right. There was one kill where I literally paused it. Went, oh my God, and tweeted that. So should I see The Littlest Reich? Especially if you could have gotten it for a dollar. Especially or especially? Uh, you know, I, I have terrible pronunciation. Okay. Uh, Good yes, to know. Yes. Watch Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. All right. I'm it's in. 90 minutes of really fun gore. I heard it's really fucked up. Is there, that the case? Yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking of one particular kill. Don't tell me, though. I, I won't tell you where I was just like, oh my God. So it's, yeah, it's like, it's kind of what I want. It's fucking titties. It's fucking violence. <laughs> okay. It's fucking gore. It's fucking Fabio Frizzy. It's fucking Bobber Crampton being a badass. It even kind of descends into a, as into a monster film towards the very, very, very end, not just the puppets. Um, Is the score good by Frizzy? Oh, duh. Don't duh. ask what me that. What the fuck? Why would you even it's, ask? It's, it's, they need to put it out on vinyl. Um, I think upon another revisit, it could be a contender for one of my favorite films of this year. You know, this one's out on 4K. I saw strike. Is it already out? Uh, maybe not, but I, I saw that there's a pre-order. All I know is I'm happy. I got it for a fucking dollar. That's awesome. 
I almost wonder if they did that to, for like a viral thing. Some oh, more maybe. horror fans would see it and tell other horror fans to see it. Maybe. An investment, if you will. What's funny is like I saw people tweeting about it and I was like, huh, is this a thing? So I checked. It was a thing. Nice. Easy hit. By now. And this was on Amazon. And easy watch the little is right. And so I thought like, is this happening everywhere? So first I checked the Microsoft store. It was $14.99 on the Holy Microsoft shit. store. You bought it? From Amazon for a dollar oh five. So you own the digital copy on Amazon. I own the digital copy. Oh my god. It was god. a dollar. It was well, a no, I was thinking you rented it for a dollar. No, it was you a dollar it was a dollar to buy. That's fucking nuts, though. Yeah. That's sick. Like I wanted to text you, but You should have texted me. But you're in fucking Cloudcroft. Oh my god, there's no texting up there. I don't know. Now there's trees <laughs> up there. It's a forest. They're blocking the rays. Um so the Lilith Reich. You don't follow Fangoria on Twitter? Uh no, I don't. I follow at Ghoul Squad I'll FM. See you guys. I'm out. Well, uh, Good night. Eric has left the podcast uh, officially. So, finally, fine. So, Puppet Master, I, think, I right. think I think I'm going to jock it even harder upon a second viewing. Awesome. Well, I love when you jock stuff. Give me something you've watched. All right. So, unfortunately, I'm not going to jock this. Uh oh. But uh, I did like it. So let's get that out of the way. Uh, this is Toby Hooper's. Nah, this movie sucks. You think it sucks? Life Force stuff. Yes, Life Force. Life Force is rough. This is Toby Hooper's magnum opus. It's not his magnum opus, but uh, his his uh, masterpiece, if you will. All right, True Talk. T- TCM one or TCM two? TCM one. Uh, okay. What do you think? Two. TCM two over TCM one. You heard it first, folks. Oh, Todd. There's a ranking we could do. The TCM franchise. Yeah, I already tweeted it, so I don't even have to prepare for that episode. Oh, fuck you, Doc. Fuck you, Doc. Thank God. You can, just pl- you can read your tweet on the pod, and we can stop recording. Yeah. That'd it can be, nice. be a 10-minute episode. Yeah. So, Here's what E-Dog's been watching. Life Force. Talk it. All right. So Space vampires. Space vampires. And that's kind of the thing I want to I stress. Titties. So a lot of titties. A lot of titties. A lot of them. So Life Force. Uh, how about I read my notes first? This will This will help. Um, I got the uh, new steelbook from Scream Factory, Scream Factory on, only ten thousand produced on purpose. That way, it would have the new four uh, K scan. scan. And let's see. Here's Correct my notes. Me if I'm wrong. The 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 one with the slipcover for a minute, it was going for some money. Yeah, it's sold out because I guess there's some kind of licensing thing on that. Okay, I'm not sure what what's going on there. there there's an interviewer or a maybe it was a commentary that they're not allowed to have on there for whatever reason. Okay. Someone didn't approve of or something, so they, they took it out. Uh, Life Force, Ambitious Insanity from Toby Hooper. I watched the theatrical cut. Okay. and There's the new- no need to watch any more of that film than you need to. You know what's funny? I initially put in the inner, uh, the director's cut. Is which it is two discs? It's two discs. Okay. I put in the director's cut in my Xbox, and I'm not kidding. I fired it all the way up, and I go, eh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should uh, switch to the shorter theatrical cut. So that is what I did. And also I have here space vampires and nudity. Space vampire titties. And that's pretty much the film. Unfortunately, this film proves that space vampire titties isn't always enough. That's true. I have to say my my main... Did you like it? I liked it. Okay. I'm happy to... Okay, so this is my first time seeing Life Force. Okay. And I think that's important. And this is the last time. It might. It's funny you say that because I thought of that. I was like, you know what? Probably Are you happy you bought that steel? Let me tell you why I'm happy I bought the steel. Okay. I needed to see Life Force. Okay. There's no way to just watch it. It might be on a streaming service, but I don't know. Buying the 4K transfer made me see it. 
And I do have to say, I feel like I should see Life Force. It's Toby Hooper. Right. I should try to seek out his big films. But somehow you haven't seen Invaders from Space. That's true. So did I like Life Force? I did. Uh, It's not great. And it's... Okay, my main critique... Your main critique, G. Is there's no main character. There's not... I don't know if you remember Life Force. There is to the naked space vampire? I wish. Because okay. she's more interesting than everybody else in the movie. There's like four main characters that run around in the film. And all they do is talk to scientists, military men, uh-huh. and other countries. That's all the film is. That's that's the whole film. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And there's no there's no main character. Right. It, it's like it keeps switching and switching and switching. Uh, sir, we don't know what to do because they're in the pods and we're not sure what to do. They come out of the pods. They kill somebody. Uh, sir, they've killed somebody and we don't know what to do. Uh, they literally suck them dry. Yes. Well, in more ways than one. And they, uh, she walks into the forest, sir. They walked into the forest and we don't know what to do. Um, that's kind of life force. And, and I hate to reduce it because I know it is a big film. Um, I did like it because of its pure insanity. Like by the end of this film, there's fucking space vampires in the streets. Every, they're literally running wild everywhere. In the streets. Yeah. And, and, and there's a fucking badass creature where it's like what the vampires actually look like. And they're right. like these space bats. Yep. That shit's cool. Mm-hmm. So this film has, I mean, really like I was watching, I'm like, fuck, some of this is cool. Uh, the, the space vampire titties. That's great. <laughs> Um, but you know, as a whole, there's no main character. It's constant talking about what's happening and it's a really frustrating film, but I did enjoy it and I'm happy to have seen it. If you, our listeners know of any other films with space vampire titties, please tweet us, tweet us at ghoul squad FM. We would like to know. Uh, so life force, that's kind of all I really have to say about it. And your question I think is the best way to wrap it up. Am I glad I bought it? And I think, yeah. Because one, it has a, it's a great looking steelbook, which, you know, I love steelbooks. Yep. And two, it's a Toby Hooper film I hadn't seen. Yes. And three, I feel, you know, it's always nice to own like these absurd genre, like sort Titles. of archival purposes. Like, right. I'm happy to own Life Horse, Life Force. Life Horse. Life Horse. I, you know, Life Horse might be a better movie. Uh, what about Life House? Horses. A Space Vampire Life House. Unfortunately, no titties in that one. Unfortunately. So that is Life Force, uh, Toby Hooper. Um, rest in peace. And quite a film. I do have to say, what the fuck was he doing making this movie? Probably storing a lot of cocaine. Down. I don't know. Okay. I don't think it's based on anything. Oh, and it's a Golan Globus film. So it's yes. canon. And uh, I can imagine them saying, this is a good idea. Have you watched Toby. that documentary about yes. those dudes? Yes. Those the, dudes uh, are nuts. Uh Electric Boogaloo. Yep. Is what it's called. Yep. And uh, yeah, those dudes are nuts. Hey, honestly, bless their hearts, though, for making a bunch of insanity. Right. Because um, it's fucking cool what they made, but a lot of those films are not good. And one of those films is called Life Force. Life Force. And I watched the 4K scan. It was fun. Space Vampire Titties. Eric. Well, just the other night, I watched, uh, and I'm only bringing, I wasn't going to talk this film. Oh, good. You this is, you're throwing Force. a wrench in it. Uh, Army of Darkness. A fantastic and, film. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because this came out the same day uh, as that Life Force uh, stillbook. That's right. Scream Factory did a Army of Darkness uh, stillbook. No new scan on that one, unfortunately. No new scan. Um, I did not know that it was going to include four different cuts, though. Yeah. Theatrical, director, international, and TV cut. Um, I watched the international cut, though, because that has a 4K uh, scan. Right. Did that have the S-Mart ending? The international cut did have the S-Mart ending. Okay, good, good. 
I think that's the last cut I watched. My favorite cut, though, period, is the theatrical cut simply because it's 81 minutes. Which that is perfect. movie fucking flies by. Army of Darkness is amazing. Yeah. Army of Darkness may be my favorite Evil Dead. Uh, it may be one of my favorite horror films, uh, period. You might find out which Evil Dead is our favorite on a future episode. We're we're discussing uh, ranking. We're in talks. We're in talks. Currently. We're negotiating. That's right. We're trying to see if we can get Bruce to come onto the show. Yeah. Hey, Bruce, uh, hit us up. Yeah. Ghoul Squad, uh, FM, Ghoul Squad FM on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Here's what I thought was interesting. So the TV cut was on the international disc. Yeah. And so the uh, international cut is an hour and 29 minutes. And so I thought, oh, well, I, the TV cut must be shorter, right? It even starts with uh, this time. This film has been edited for content and edited for time. Yeah. It's an hour and 33 minutes. That's nuts. And it's full frame. And uh, I didn't watch it. And you won't watch it. And uh, next time I watch that film, I will watch the theatrical cut. Duh, that artwork is so good. And I'm not talking about the new artwork that they did, which is cool. But the director's cut artwork, the international Artwork is so good. The director's cut is where like he's like sticking his arms up. Yeah, his, like head is back. That's so amazing. And he's like shirtless. And then the international, it's like illustrated. Right, right. Yeah. And the other uh, in the international cut artwork is just like him, like with his boomstick and his chainsaw and the like castles behind him. Like that artwork is so so good. It's everything. Um, it makes me want to replay those old PS2 and Xbox Evil Dead. Do games. it. I love them so much. And I think I still have regeneration somewhere, but I don't have. Maybe you can answer this for me or our listeners could. Remember how in the original Xbox there was an adapter for the controllers? Yes. What is that called? I'm missing that. And uh, I wonder if I could still find one. Anyways, I need to find one of those. Wes, I, let us know what that's called. Uh, <laughs> please, Wes. Because I think I still have a copy of regeneration, although I enjoyed Fistful of Boomstick more. Um, well, I'm happy that you reviewed the PS2 video games on the podcast. <laughs> hey, da! Content! Yes, absolutely. No, so... Um, yeah. I used to stay up so late playing those, and it was just the best time of my life. It was like the summer of 2003. All we fucking did was skate, work at Subway, and play the Evil Dead video games. It wasn't games. anything like Summer of 84? <laughs> summer of 2002 was better than Summer of 84. Wow, that's fucked up. So, um, yeah, no, I mean... Army of Darkness is one of the best movies of all time. But it's what so I find good, interesting dude. about that is you didn't already own that Scream Factory. Release. That's what that yeah. So it was such an incentive to pick up that. Uh, I think book. it came from like there was like that error I told you about, and right. then you had to get the V two, and then you had to get the uh, the slip cover went out of print quickly after V two came out. So like you could never get the slip cover. Um, perfect time to fucking pick it up. I'm, is that I'm so happy to own. What's funny is I now own. Um, Three copies of that film. Really? Across two different formats. But, uh, I mean, I mean, Army of Darkness is worth it. Yeah. It, you know what? It's such a With good movie. With these re-releases, I almost wish I didn't have some of these movies. Right. Like, I have that Army of Darkness uh, V2 with the slipcover. And what's funny is that movie, that edition is worth money. But I, I almost wish I didn't even own it because I'm not going to ever sell it. Who cares what it's worth? And I could just buy this steelbook because I don't want to rebuy it. Right. But that steelbook's fucking dope, duh. I'm so excited to have. I love Army of Darkness yeah. so much. Yeah, I got the Life Force Steelbook, and I have pre-ordered right now the Halloween 3 Steelbook. Um, are you going to get any of those? Uh, tell me the titles again. Halloween 2, Halloween 3, uh, Night of the Demons. Uh, uh, well, I I did pre-order Night of the Demons because it comes with the NECA Angela doll. Oh, nice. Uh, it has a new transfer, I think. Yes. Uh, no, I'll probably sleep on Halloween I'm, 2 I'm getting 3. the Halloween 3. 
Uh, they're the do- Halloween 2 artwork is fire. Where he's literally yes, on fire. Is. Yeah. But the Halloween 3 steelbook has, uh, it's going to have a new scan in it. Halloween 3? And, Halloween 3. Yeah. Both of them. Halloween 2 and 3. And the fact that anybody's doing a new scan of Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, um, I got to give my money to that. That's you, fucking sick. You know what's funny is those, the first screen, or I have the box set, right? Yeah. And, but I bought uh, Halloween 3, like, because I was one of Scream Factory's, like, first releases. I think you sold it to me or traded it to me. Halloween 3. Uh, right. Um, they don't have captions. And, like, if I knew the new ones had captions, I, like, they that might. would be incentive to pick up. They might. Because I'm fucking deaf. That's funny hear. that you're going to buy it for the captions and not for the new scan. Like, <laughs> I just like to, I like captions. E-Dog reads captions. E-Dog doesn't read. No. no but I don't will, know how to read. But he I will just, read captions. I just like to see the white symbols uh, come across the screen as it's, the characters It's like hieroglyphics. Speak. Right. Exactly. So, Eric. Uh, that was, I guess, Army of Darkness. That was Army of Darkness. Yeah. I didn't mean to talk Army of Darkness, but <clears throat> no, that's okay. Army of Darkness is one of the best horror films, period. Uh, I feel like you should do another one because you have so much. I have so much. Okay. I revisited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out several right Sure. Here. Let's do it. I revisited all the Sleepaway Camp sequels. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, I, I've been wanting to do that. It's funny you say that. I've been wanting to watch two and three really bad, and I have the, the, um, the slipcovers Scream Factory releases. I wish I picked those up so much. I slept on those. I have especially all three with slipcovers, which I know people give a shit about slipcovers out there. Uh, especially, didn't you buy them when Hastings was going? Yeah, out of I business? bought them for uh, uh, ten bucks each. I, I fucked up. Doc, with not getting those. fucking slipcovers, ten dollars each. I have the re-released Anchor Bay uh, DVD set and Survival Kit. Survival Kit. When that originally came out, uh, there was a red cross on it, and red cross, the organization, the organization yeah, threw, yeah. threw a fit about it. And so they took those off the shelves and then re-released it without the Red Cross. So if you can find the the Anchor Bay Sleepaway really, Camp Red Cross. Red Cross, yeah, like that is I don't I don't know about now, but at one point uh, it was sought after. I I don't have that one. I have the one that they. Uh, I hate later that put some out. of those DVD releases are still worth money, and like I get it because they're like they're still items, right? Like there's right. still uh, only a certain amount of them out there, but like. DVDs, da, shouldn't be worth a goddamn thing. If the <laughs> film is out with a new scan on Blu-ray, why is the DVD worth money? I understand it's because of limited availability with a lot of that stuff, right. but fuck off. Um, you know what? Uh, in, in addition to Sleepaway Camp, there's another franchise I want to talk about here in a second um, that I've also revisited. And I had a really good time doing this because, you know, in Sleepaway Camp, there's only four films. Yeah. I can take that out, you know. Real quickly, as opposed to, you know, when we did Friday and it took me like two months to revisit. Or, or hell, even Nightmare on Elm Street, which took me way longer than it should have. Right, know? right. So there's two camps of Sleepaway Camp, right? There's Quite part, literally. Right. So there's uh, Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3. Starring, camp Arawak? No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Uh, starring uh, Pamela uh, Springsteen, where yes. she plays Angela, uh, who's had a... Psychosis? No, I was going to say like a gender operation. Uh, she's back at camp and she kills naughty gender reassignment. Gender reassignment. Sure. Uh, she kills kids who are naughty. That's part two and three. And then there's Return to Sleepaway Camp, which came out, I believe, in 2008, uh, in which the original writer and director of Sleepaway Camp, Robert Hiltzik, uh, con- it completely ignored those films and direct sequel. Right. It's a direct sequel. It's it's a follow up almost 30 years later of what these characters are doing. And it even includes, uh, you know, fan favorites like Ronnie and Ricky. I love Ricky so much. You know, Ricky is just my guy. It's your guy, yeah. Ricky's my dude. He he does nothing. He's only in the film for like five or 10 minutes in return. But, you know, I still uh, like Ricky. So those are the two separate camps. And I feel like people can either like, you know, one camp or the other camp. And I'm personally pro 
Return to Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. That movie is pretty cringeworthy, but I like it. It's good. Like the first like hour where it's like setting everything up, the acting, the dialogue, even the fucking wardrobe dog is just like, ah, this is bad. It's funny because you talk about this movie a lot, I feel like on the podcast because I haven't seen it. Why well, you you're always telling me I need to see it, but I, I like it. Yeah, I, absolutely. But because it's, it's you're always also you, you're telling me I need to see it, but you're saying it's kind of shitty. I mean, but I mean, don't you like Sleepaway Camp? I don't love you Sleepaway like, Camp. Don't, don't you want to have another rendezvous with those characters? I'm gonna watch it. I hate that it's on DVD. I have to tell you, it's never been on Blu-ray. Right? I can't stand that. Yeah. So now, out of those four films, though, Sleepaway Camp Two is definitely the best. For film. sure, no question. Yeah, I love that. Movie. Of, I mean, we're, I'm not talking about the original. The original one is, you know. A slasher classic. It's an American classic. It's, it's a you know, it's it's a god one of the most gift. sleazy fucking slasher films I've ever seen. Right. Well, not you know, I mean, Sans New York Ripper things like that. <laughs> right. Silver Toes. Yeah. Um. Like like even like the acting is like okay in in Sleepaway Camp too. Oh yeah. It's just like fun kills. It's just like a straight up slasher. You film. know the one that fucks me up in Sleepaway Camp too. What the uh the porta potty or whatever the fuck. Oh that yeah, is. she literally shoves that girl. Yeah, it's a uh, it's outhouse. Yes, it's fucking disgusting. And she keeps trying to come up, and she's just covered in and shit. Uh, but you know what I love the most? Okay, so there's a part where two characters they plan to scare Angela, and they do so by they're going to dress up as Freddy and Jason. Uh, but she ends up killing both of these kids, even though you know they're trying to scare her. Here's what I love. On the Anchor Bay DVD, do you know what that chapter is called? What is that chapter called? Angela versus Freddy versus Jason. Oh, and my I'm God. just like, fuck yeah. So the Sleepaway Camps are fantastic, slasher fun. Please watch Return to Sleepaway Camp I if will. you ever get a chance. Although Sleepaway Camp 2 is the best of those sequels. When are you going to get your Anchor Bay uh, tattoo? tattoo? Well, yeah. it's right here. It's on my forearm. Bam! Eric just flipped me off. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was, I guess, the Sleepaway Camp franchise. Look yep. at that. Yep, yep. And, uh, boom. Boom. Fuck yeah. So I've got, uh, this is a quick one. I'll run through this. Uh, I rewatched Suspiria. Okay. The new Synapse Blue. Didn't we um, just talk it? We just talked it, and that's why it's going to be short. But I rewatched it with my brother, Ben. Um, I had this inkling that I really wanted to rewatch it, and all of a sudden I was like, man, I really want Ben to see this. You know, me and my brother like film together. We see a lot of movies together. We like very different things as discussed on a previous episode, which everyone should listen to because he was uh, on it. Special guest episode, Ben Preslak. Um, ben P. That's right. Uh, congratulations for getting married. Uh, yeah. So I was like, dude, you know what? You really need to see this. Like, let's sit down and watch it. I got to say, da, so, okay, Ben, I don't want to speak for him, but Ben didn't l- outright love it. Was he confused? He was confused, okay. which I understand. And I told him, I said, you know what? The first time I saw Suspiria, I didn't fucking get it. We talked about that on the previous podcast, yep. which was when we initially saw Suspiria, we didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got this Suspiria blue, I fell in love with it. And so I've, I've now seen it again, the same gorgeous blue that Synapse put out. And How does it look on this 4K TV? Uh, uh, Wes's 4K TV. Yes. That looks great. Um, but I just have to say, I unabashedly am starting to fucking love Suspiria. Um, it's good. Doc. I watched it with my brother and you know how, when you watch it with someone who hasn't seen it, a film, um, you kind of watch it through their eyes. Right. I saw it for the first time, but knowing about the witches, for instance, which is, I think the most important thing to know about Suspiria, unless you want to go in blind, which is something that you should know. Um, 
Fuck, man. It's so fucking good. I mean, it's absurdly good. It's gorgeous. Every fucking second is a painting. Like I talked about before, it's like fucking uh, murder art. Like it's the fucking- gone for so long. Yeah. It's great. It's Kubrickian level horror film. Like it's fucking nuts. Um, and I got to say the main character- uh, Jessica Harper? Jessica Harper. Uh, I love her. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I love Jessica Harper. Um, is she going to be in the new one? Oh, I think the remake. I think so. I don't know what extent. Yeah, she's just such a a, a, a vulnerable character in this film. You just want to say, get the fuck out of there. Uh, I have not watched the new trailer. Susie Banyan. I don't need to watch uh, the new trailer because I am there for. Now it's an Amazon film. Yeah, that's right. Will it eventually come to blue? Ah, or will it just go straight to their prime streaming service? I don't know. I'm not sure, actually. Wasn't Manchester by the Sea one of I, their films? I was just going to say that, and that went to... Uh, yeah, I think Manchester by the they, Sea was they, Amazon they Studios. Made, they did such a good job of making Kyle Chandler look like a, 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 a middle-aged dad. In that one film. of my favorite actors, Kyle Chandler. So, yeah, um, that is Manchester by the Sea. Like, this motherfucker's a dad. Yeah, so, Suspiria. Um, you don't want to discuss Manchester at the Sea on an episode of Ghoul Squad? Well, there's no film called Manchester at the Sea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck you. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, Suspiria. I rewatched it with my brother. Um, he said he was cool, but you know he didn't get it. And I was like, that's fine because I didn't either. But it's fucking incredible. Um, go Agreed. If you need to spend money Agreed. on a blue and you don't have or don't care about Suspiria, Dario Argento's Suspiria. Get the single disc, right? Just pick that shit up. Just um, pick it up. Now. That transparent gorgeous it's a fucking classic it's amazing um i was wrong when i was 17 when i saw it it's fucking great suspiria and that is my suspiria rewatch with my brother ben all right so give me more eric okay so last episode i told you i was gonna watch some more joe bob uh shutters the last drive-in and i'd let you know what i thought about watching films that i had not seen and how i felt about him interrupting so this is a joe films. bob briggs update this is a joe bobby update man i love joe bob i guess they're talking are you so uh, much e-dog bob right now i i, I, <laughs> I wish i i e-dog e no e-bob e-dog wants e-bob e-bob e-dog wants to aspire to such horror great characterness okay e-bob briggs okay so I watched three more. E-Bob Hoff. I watched three more of these films. Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolarama. Yes, I know it. I have not seen it. Blood Feast, which was also a first-time watch for me. Uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis. Herschel Gordon-Lewis, correct. Okay. And uh, <laughs> Herschel Gordon-Loomis. Loomis. Yep. Uh, Lewis. And Demons, which uh, we've seen uh, a bunch of times. Amazing film. This is uh, Lamberto Bava. Tortellini. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, Argento has a writing credit. That's true. Uh, on great music in that movie Demons. too. Demons is fantastic. Demons okay, is fucking great. So let me start with Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolorama. Okay, Ebob. <laughs> okay, so I mean, this is Sorority Babes. This in the, is the in type. The... This is the type of shit E Dog wants in a fucking film. All you right. know, this is on Blue. I did not know. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, now the guy who directed this film. His name is completely eluding me at the moment. I uh, directed porn. Great. Okay, and so then he went on to make sorority babes in the slime ball bullerama. You know what's funny about this? One of your other favorite films is directed by a porn director as well. We are talking about Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. That is right. Danny Steinman. Yes. Okay. That's an American classic, boys. Eddie Dakota, maybe? I don't know. I'm not going to say. Dukakis? No. Um... Uh, 
Okay, so sorority babes in the slime bob ballorama. Okay, Ebop. It's about these three nerdy guys. All right, you would relate to them. Um, they learn that there's this uh, sorority house. Uh, they they have new uh, pledges, and uh, in order to get inducted into this sorority, uh, they want them to break into this bowling alley, right? And this bowlerama. This bowling alley, right? And uh, the, I don't know, president of the sorority, her father owns the mall in which the bowling house is in. So it's like not a big deal that they're going to be breaking into it. The The pledges don't know that. Okay. But uh, the president and the president's friends, you know, they're just, you know, tugging these pledges chains. Okay. Quite literally. So get this. All right. There is some real TNA in this film now. Okay. So like more than life force. Similar to life force. Yes. Okay. So okay. get this. So these three nerdy guys, which you would identify with, they learn about these uh, the pledges, you know, induction task. So they sneak on over to this sorority house, right? And currently, the two girls, the inductees, are being punished. And Can I, I guess? And I forget why. Voyeur comes into play here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So. E-Dog loves his voyeur. Okay, so several of the president's friends are tasked with spanking. Oh, Lord. The pledges. It literally goes on for like 15 minutes. And easy ate up every fucking minute. And you don't see it all like 15 minutes. There's like moments where it's just like the nerdy guys like, you know, peering through the window, you know, with a big grin on their face. But the entire time you just hear. What the fuck? It's fucking ridiculous. So it's like Porky's mixed with. Horror. It's a, it's a Porky's horror film. Okay, yes. okay. You, I mean, right. that's, you hit the nail on the sure. head. Sure. Okay, so they break into... Uh, oh, excuse me. Let me rewind the clocks just like one second. <laughs> a year. Just one second. They see the nerdy guys that you would uh, associate with. Um, Why do you keep saying that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. Now, please proceed with sorority babes at the Slime Ball Ballarama from right. E-Bop Briggs. Okay, so... They see the, the nerdy guys. They're uh, getting spanked. They see the nerdy guys are, are are spying on them. Voyeur. So they force them into the task of breaking into the bowling alley as well. Okay. So they get into the bowling alley. And when they get there, there's this punk girl played by Linnea Quigley. Okay, yeah. And at first, like, she, like, wants to, like, fight and beat him up. And the president of the sorority is like, hey, you know, what are you doing here? Uh. I might be wrong, but like the task is to like steal a trophy that's in the bowling alley. So, anyways, one of them knocks it over, and this jive talking imp pops up, and he turns two of the girls into like demons. One of them's the Bride of Frankenstein for some reason, and the remaining kids have to survive the night. The jive talking imp and um, the demons. Okay. Not trying to kill them, and that's sorority babes in the slime ball ball. It sounds like Porky's mixed with Night of the Demons, kind of. It's uh, maybe not quite as raucous, sure, as Night of the Demons, but there's at least one decapitation uh, where the head is then used as a bowling ball and thrown down the lane. Nice. Okay, I can, I can, I can get into that. So I mean, it's just it's wacky. You liked it a lot. I'm not gonna say I loved it, but I mean. Easy babes <laughs> in the slime ball ballroom. Okay, so so tell me about so the, the E. Bob Briggs okay. experience. Okay, so I'm watching. I've never seen this film, right? 
And, you know, oftentimes when I finish a film, I go straight to IMDb because I want to learn more about it. And that's what's so cool about uh, Joe Bob's Last Drive-In, you know, is you immediately get this trivia. And there was moments where I felt like the film was going on too long without one of his interruptions. Like, I, yeah. I, I wanted him. You were ready for it. To come in. Yeah, so. And we should say Joe Bob Briggs' Last Drive-In was an event on Shudder. Right. Uh, where you can watch, actually, still currently. Uh, where he, it was an all-night marathon where Correct. he recaptured his character. He talks about horror movies and plays them and then interrupts them and says facts and stuff. Right. Uh, that's not a great description, but there you go. I mean, that's, that's what it that's, is. That's the gist of it. I just want people to know what it is. Right. So it did not bother me, Sure. those, those interruptions, because... That was I, my concern. Because Joe Bob is just... Uh, he's so much fun. I love that character. And I was immediately getting you know, now let me ask trivia you this. about the films. Eric wants films to be... Less than 81 minutes. And so you could say that's a problem with Joe Bob because he's sure. like 81 minute long movies are then now two hours because that's, of yep. his. But you know what? I like Joe Bob that much. Fuck it, duh. Give me give me two hour long Joe Bob movie episodes. I'm going to remember that next time you tell me like you fell asleep during The Predator, but you loved it. <laughs> so um, then I watched Blood Feast. Okay. This is Herschel Gordon, Gordon Lewis, Lewis, which is believed to be like the first gore film. Um, it's about uh, this man named. Uh, That's his name. That part noise. <laughs> <laughs> his last name is like Ramsey or Rams, but it's something like weird, like a bed, a poop. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I, 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 a <laughs> So anyways, that's one of my favorite moments okay, on the podcast. So, Aziz. Okay, so he's preparing this grand Egyptian feast. Okay, it, it, uh, it as is, as one does, right? He to it, uh, to honor this uh, cannibalistic Egyptian god named Ishtar, like Sheetar, not not Sheetar, Ishtar. You know, Blood Diner is like a spiritual success uh, sequel too. If anyone out there wants to buy my copy of Blood Diner, you you're crazy, duh. I don't like Blood Diner. Blood Diner is I feel bad about so it. So good. Okay, so yeah, it's you know, it's Blood Diner is the exact same premise of Blood Feast. That's right. I remember it, they they said that it was loosely not based, but it had sort of influences from Blood Feast. I like to call it a spiritual sequel, a spiritual successor in a way. Yes. Okay. Oh, so uh, this man is murdering young girls, taking their body parts so he can make a feast, which he's planning to serve to a young, white, rich family. Okay. Uh, to honor Ishtar. Uh, not Sheetar. Not Sheetar. Sheetar's in Blood Diner. Ishtar's Blood Feast. Um, you know, this, and this is like the first like gore film, right? right? This is 1963. There are women being hacked up with machetes. There are tongues being ripped out of their heads. There are people being squashed in trash compactors. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Wow. Okay. Didn't like it. I mean, it is an early film. That's really bad about it. Yeah. I always love violence. I love gore. And you know, this is the film that started it and uh, I don't care for it. Yeah. I mean, it's always been my concern with like watching um, something this early in this genre Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's not Hitchcock's masterful psycho. Right. So um, I don't know. I I know how you you feel. But like HGL like knew what he was doing. Yeah, for sure. He knew he was making trash, but he knew it was going to be commercially successful. Sure. Right. Um, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, so I'm bummed out I didn't And how like, was the Joe Bob experience on that? Uh, you know, great as ever. I even went back to like watch the end, uh, the, the climax of Blood Feast just so I could get 
that uh, Joe Bob, uh, my Joe Bob Phil again. Okay. And then the other film I watched uh, with The Last Drive-In is Demons. Easy's always watching climaxes. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Um, Demons is incredible. One of the best fucking Italian films. Made. Yes, ever. Uh, it's about a group of people who get stuck uh, in a theater. The horror film that they're watching uh, comes out of the screen. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It, it's is sort of a haunted theater, and as the film plays, demons arise in the film. And the, and the demons are mostly, I tried to explain this last time, they're kind of more zombies than demons. Yes. But they're demon zombies. Yes. And uh, the best scenes in the film are when their eyes are lit up and they're coming up the stairs and shit with the fog behind them. Such good gore. Such Stop. good practical effects. So, you know, I love this film. And I rewatched it a couple uh, months ago with ja- my buddy Jamie. Hello. And the main thing I said was there is a fucking goopy ass gore shot every two minutes. It's so good. Every two minutes, there's fucking pus coming out of an appendage. Right. Like, um, like the first yeah. one is like this like gory ass pimple. Yeah. That like sets off like the and, demons and literally coming out. It escalates every two fucking minutes. There's some nasty imagery. Where, where it eventually evolves into like a demon coming out of somebody. Yes. Just absurd chaos. Oh, gosh. Um, it's so good. fucking great. And I love the, uh, the main girl, the main character. Uh-huh. I'm in love with that chick. So yes. there you go. Yes. Anything so, about demons? How was the Joe Bob's experience on that? Uh, and you've seen oh, that film. God, dude. He gives so much fucking insight, insight to Italian genre films. Um, but he goes like so fast. Yeah. That I felt like I couldn't like keep up with it. Like he's like explaining how he's there just was... kind of a slow guy. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, he's explaining how there were so many films that, you know, were later titled to be a demon sequel, even though they had nothing yes. to do with it yep. or that there was films that were supposed to be within the demons franchise. But the director, Mihail Soavi, uh, who would, I'm talking about your demons boy three, uh, who would do, um, cemetery man, um, the like, church, right. He, and the sect, right. I think it was the sect was supposed to be demons three. I think the church was demons three. Okay. One, one of those films was yeah. supposed to be demons three, but then he was like, no, I don't want it to be associated with demons. And then the next film he did, which what didn't have anything to do with demons, then he was like, okay, I want this to be demons. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I suggest watching that episode just so you can get Italian genre. That sounds dope. Facts. Although I just rewatched demons. Um, I'm really interested in watching demons two now. Yeah. I have a, the anchor Bay DVD. I, I've been wanting to buy, pick up demons Two Blu-ray, but I know it doesn't, it's kind of unrelated, you know, in a way. Right. Or is it a direct sequel? I thought it was a direct sequel. Really? Okay. Um, uh, but it's in a I've apartment never, high rise. Okay, I've never seen Demons Two. I think it's like the same premise, but they're in an apartment complex instead okay. of a theater. But it doesn't follow that group of people that that drive off in the distance. No. Right. No, no, so, no. I mean, that's what I meant sure by direct. It's sequel. in a real minute since. Um, I love the unhinged bullshit, like the Italian bullshit in Demons, where like they're like they they, they like drop coke in the car, yeah, and then they have to like scrape it off with a it's so fucking weird they there's a part where there's these punk kids yes uh they steal a car they're doing coke in the car out of a coke can a coca-cola can yeah there's this weird part where they're there's this so is that just what's going on i have no fucking okay, idea so they literally have a coke can with a straw in it and they're snorting through the they're straw. snorting coke out of a coca-cola can through a straw okay so eventually someone spills the coke though and it spills all over this girl's chest and the main punk guy is just furious that they would drop the coke. I'm wondering if that's what Italians think Americans do. 
<laughs> maybe. And maybe that's why they did that. I don't know. Maybe no it's idea. some type of like weird joke, like snorting Coke. Maybe. And it, maybe back then it made more sense too, because people did Coke back then. I have right. no idea. Um, so one of them gets a razor blade and starts like forming lines yeah. on this girl's chest so yes. he can then pick it up. It's And it goes on forever. It's batshit and awesome. Yes. Demons is fucking amazing. Um, and I, I just wanted to also quickly run back to Suspiria because we're talking Italian. We're stuff. talking Argento. So I still am. It, one of my favorite scenes in Suspiria is it, I don't know how to explain this. I, you only know, if you've seen Italian horror films, you know what I'm talking about. I love Italian insanity that just makes no sense. And one of these things is in Suspiria, the blind guy has a dog that helps him. Yes. And the he, piano player. Yeah. The piano player. And he, he basically parks his dog outside while he does yeah. the piano and the dog, uh, gets, I guess, possessed by, uh-huh. the witches or something and bites a kid. Yes. And there's this insane argument with like one of the head people at the, the, the school where they just shout at each other. And then she's like, I'm going to kill that beast. If you don't get the <laughs> fuck out of here right now. And he's like, stop it right now. And it's just like unhinged insanity. And then the dog kills him, which that is the most Italian thing in the film. Not the end, not the gore, not the insanity. That is the most it's Italian the ridiculous, thing. ridiculous, violent animal attack. Yeah, where it's like the camera's like floating in the sky, presumably a witch over them, and right. then the dog just kills the, the blind man uh-huh. in the middle of a fucking in square. In this huge open plaza yeah. that's lit up as fuck in like it the middle of the night. the most Italian thing in Suspiria, and I love every second I of got it. A, I got a wacky question for you. Okay, let's hear what your wacky question. What is the most Italian thing you've seen in an Italian horror film. Oh, fuck. Uh, that's a tough one. the top one, of Doc. my head, I just want to go zombie versus the shark. The bat. No, the bat. Or the bat in House by the Cemetery. The bat, in, the bat on the hand. That literally goes on for so long. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. It is. I was going to say Anthropophagus, where he's just like eating his own intestines out of his stomach. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> those things, I think, are what people think of when they think of Italian films. I like to think of like the unhinged bullshit that's... Right. Like, you don't even know, we don't even, we almost don't even get it. Why is this blind man being yelled at by the head of the school? And they're having this insane argument where he's walking out, calling her a bitch. Right. Like, it's just, I love it. it. It's crazy. Uh, I don't love it because of that. I love it because it's unhinged right. uh, Italian insanity. So that is uh, more bullshit on Suspiria. But you were talking demons. Uh, we, were, we were talking Italian films. <clears throat> right. Which that's we true. love. And we should do a, an episode on it. My only concern. That would be hard. That's my concern with doing an Italian. Like an Italian episode, period? Well, not not a ranking. I mean, we could just do like our favorite Italian horror films, but it wouldn't have to be. That sounds hard because well, I love so many. So my point is. There's so many. It's such a big topic. And I feel like I, I haven't personally seen enough. Um, most of what I've seen is Fulci and then Cannibal Films oh, and a couple Argentos. Or, or what about the little boy who oh. like wants to fuck his mom in Burial Nights? Yeah. And then finally, Bur- burial Ground. Burial Ground. Yeah. And then finally uh, bites off his mama's titty. It might be pretty Italian. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's such a weird sexploitation film. I love it. Yes, it is. So... Anyways, that's an Italian film. Damn, that's a good movie. So, what else? Uh, I have one more thing. So I only have you one got thing. one more. Thing? One more. That's it. I've got twenty-two. Twenty-two. I'm joking, <laughs> but I have a list. All right, settle in, fellas. Settle on in.
Um, my last thing that I have for what we've been watching, which is the longest segment of all time. We hope you're enjoying it out there in Ghoul Squad land. Thank you so much for continuing on this journey with us. My thing is Castle Rock. Okay, let's hear, so let's hear about Castle Rock. I, have, I thought you were going to wait it out. I was going to wait it out, but then I remembered my brother has a Hulu subscription. Oh, shit. Uh, because of, I think, How I Met Your Mother's on there. Okay. okay. I didn't take his subscription Please to watch. watch Atlantan. Since you have access to Hulu. You said Atlantan. Atlanta. Atlanta. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so I've seen, I think, four episodes of Castle Rock. I think it's about nine in now. Um, I've actually kind of fallen off for a minute because I really wanted to stay in. I have a hard, I have a hard time with this with TV. I wanted to stay in Sharp Objects world. I like, let me say this. Sharp Objects is better than Castle Rock. Okay. So that's that. Um, Castle Rock also is taking jabs right now is also produced by JJ Abrams, who is pretty much my God next to, uh, Steven Spielberg. Mission impossible three sucks. Go ahead. Mission impossible three sucks. Yes. Oh my God. As bad as two. Um, well, but I recently revisited the box set. Thanks for listening to the podcast out there, everybody. <laughs> he does uh, Mission Impossible. Go ahead. That's baffling. Uh, how good is Rebecca Ferguson? Uh, so anyways, Castle Rock. Um, yes. The point of bringing up the JJ aspect <laughs> is that this is a show that I'm like primed to like, right? Yes. I love everything JJ. I even liked 112263. Okay. The, um, uh, the fucking uh, assassination of Kennedy of Kennedy uh, TV show that he did. Did Abrams produce? Abrams produced as well. Yes. Okay. Uh, they're both Bad Robot productions. I love Bad Robot. I, okay. I even had a Bad Robot it, cake one time. And it's also a Stephen King property. That's right. And it's Stephen King, so it's made for me. And I do have to say, like within the first four episodes, I think this is an intriguing show. I think it's cool. I am going to continue. I'm excited to watch it. Are they hour long episodes? Uh, yeah, they're more like forty five minutes. Okay. Um, but. I didn't, I, you know, I don't like to be in multiple worlds at once. And I know this is insanity. People probably watch 50 shows at once. Right. Um, Binging them. Right. I really wanted to stay in Sharp Objects. So now that that's finished, I'm going to go hit the rest of Castle Rock. You're going to go visit Castle Rock. And the thing about Castle Rock that's cool is like, it is a lot of Stephen King stuff coming at you at once. It is like a great mystery so far. But the show is what a lot of people are terrified of with JJ, which is it is mystery box. That's what the that's what the show is. What do you mean? Mystery it's box? straight up like here's this giant mystery. Oh, okay. After mystery, after mystery, after mystery, after mystery, and it's taking its time. Mystery after mystery, straight. I mean, okay. like you know, so far there's zero answers. Who's I've directing? Seen. Who's writing? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. But you know, I'm four episodes in and zero answers coming. It looks like so. Okay. But I like that stuff. Any idea how long it's gonna run? think it's 10 but okay. i'm not sure um point of this whole review is to say this whole shenanigans i really like castle rock but it's it's not blowing my mind i can tell you that and i was okay. that's disappointing but only because i was so hyped right uh, but it is good i mean it's so far been cool and my favorite part of the show so far is bill skarsgård's character just being fucking creepy okay. he plays this character that basically hasn't spoken yet in the first four episodes and he's just creepy as fuck and no one knows where he n- nobody Comes can from no one can figure out his name or where he's from they find but him he appears a, every 27 years right uh i'm not joking possibly i'm not being dumb possibly i don't want to spoil it okay um i was trying to be vague about it okay but uh you yeah he hasn't watched it yeah so we don't know who he is yet in okay. the first but the point of it is 
Um, it is badass. It is cool. Terry O'Quinn is in the first episode and in some more of it. Um, Jane Levy is a main character so far. Really? And I love Jane Levy. Oh, awesome. Sissy Spacek is is one of the main characters. Uh, one of my favorite characters from Leftovers is in this show. Um, so it's good. I just so far in the first four episodes, I will update you when I'm finished on the next podcast probably. Okay. But uh, I like it. I like mystery bullshit. I like mystery box bullshit. So I like this. But I, but I am recognizing... Uh, I don't think it's, it hasn't blown my mind yet. There you go. Easy's going to pose a question for you. Well, let me, let me say this. Okay. So sharp objects in the first episode blew my mind as an hour of television, not because of revelations, but it was so fucking good. Okay. I've seen four episodes of Castle Rock and my mind hasn't been blown, but I do think it's good. Okay. There you go. Uh, you just said how you like mysteries. Yes. We talk about slashers a lot. We do talk about slashers a lot. What do you prefer in a slasher film? A whodunit, we don't know who the killer is, or where we just know who the killer is up front? Boy, that's such a great question. Uh, I hate to do this to you. I like both. I like both of that a lot. Uh, I like. Obviously, I'm with you, but I'm going to go mystery. I do like mystery, but I also like when they when they don't know for sure when they like okay when there's a legend and it's like right. uh, uh, Billy, for instance, from uh, Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we know about him right throughout the film, but no one we don't sh- know. Much. No one's sure what it is or if it's even him. They're just assuming there's this person out there that could be killing people. Mm-hmm. And um, so I like, I really like that. I like the pseudo mystery of it. Like, you know, Jason's out there. He might be out there, but you don't know. Um, I like that stuff. So like, I think I like a blend, actually. Now that you're asking, I like a blend of it. I mean, could you just imagine going into Friday 5? No. In fucking in, in, 84 no. or 5 or 6, whenever that film came out, and just being like, man. Friday is Five it, is fucking amazing. Is it Jason, you know, the more I think Tommy? about it, because it's your favorite one, right? Correct. Uh, spoilers for our, that episode. Uh, the more I think about that 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 movie, I mean, it really is so goddamn good. Yeah. Um, I do think two and four are better Friday films, but five is right behind them. Mm-hmm. I mean, right fucking behind them. So that was Castle Rock. That was it's Castle good. Rock. I definitely recommend it if you're interested in this absurd amalgamation of all Stephen King properties into one show produced by JJ. Definitely. It's good. It just hasn't blown my mind yet. Um, and I, I kind of thought it would, uh, but it hasn't. So that is Castle Rock. Castle. Eric, what's your next goddamn thing? All right. I'm just going to start working down the lane. Easy's going to start working the shaft. Yep. Okay. So my next one is beyond reanimator. Wow. Okay. Uh, this was, uh, I like this film. Yes, this this recently got a Vestron blue release uh, last month. Yes, about a month old now. It was late in July. Uh, this film finds uh, Herbert West, uh, played by Jeffrey Combs, of course, uh, in prison from one of his experiments, kills a young girl. Yes. And so now he's in prison, and he's now working, or excuse me, so he's in prison, but he's still trying to work on his craft, his craft of yes. bringing back the dead. And Beyond Reanimator introduces this bullshit idea. Oh, wow. Okay. Bullshit idea. I'm like 50-50 on this idea. I'm like, I'm with it. I, I like that they try to evolve the character, but I also, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So Herbert discovers in Beyond Reanimator that his serum brings him back from the dead and that there's this like electricity in the mind that can be captured whenever somebody dies. If it can then be implanted into the person who's been brought back, that will stabilize them. 
That won't make them violent. That won't make them lash out. That okay. will make them normal again. And so, again, I like that they were trying to evolve the reanimator mythos, but I'm kind of not super into it. Super into that. <clears throat> How did it look on this new blue? Vestron okay. movies look like shit, but this movie is kind of newer. Right. This so is like late 2000s. Yep. You know, I'm not really like a picture quality guy. Yeah. As as but you, as you but guys you know, very well know, I like Vestron DVD. has looked really bad. Right, right. Um, they do play with that idea to a pretty fun extent. Um, he's killing rats and he's capturing yes. this energy. And then he tries putting it into somebody and then they thus start become acting like rats a rat right? yes. yeah um i definitely dig it it's definitely the lesser of the three uh for sure reanimator films but you know it's fun gore it's more jeffrey combs um it's definitely nothing to you know shove your nose up to i mean reanimator's fucking classic bride is a fantastic follow-up mm-hmm. if you're already that deep watch fucking beyond reanimator yeah and it's sick to have it on blue now like right. that's what's dope and the thing is like um, I recently watched all three of these. Uh, I had seen Reanimator before, but I had never seen Bride of Reanimator until that Arrow box set. Gosh, it's so good. Uh, and then um, I also watched this one online. Just uh, I, I rented. No, it was, this is way long. This is like three or four years ago when I watched okay. Beyond. I think I rented it from somebody. It might have been for rent on Amazon. <laughs> but the point is, you know, when I watched all three together... I honestly like people don't like Beyond Reanimator, okay. and I honestly I, I liked it. Like yeah. I, I thought, okay, cool, another one of these. Now the first one's a classic, yeah, absolutely. like you said. The second one is a perfect sequel to that movie, minus Barbara Crampton, which sucks. But the third one is nowhere near those two films. But you're right. Like to me, it was like okay, more Reanimator, right. and I don't think it's like an atrocity or anything. No. It's more Reanimator, and it's good enough. So I really liked it. Um, I want to pick up the blue. Fucking those movies are overpriced, and I kind of hate Vestron right now. That's um, cool doing Maximum Overdrive. That's fucking dope, and that art is fucking sick for Maximum good Overdrive. Art. Yeah, um, that is the film that Stephen King directed while he was on Coke. Correct. So uh, yeah, Beyond Reanimator. Yes, uh, I I really like it. As I like it. Yes, it's it's. I don't think it's like great, but I like right. it. But it, you know, we we love that character for sure, and it's great to have another outing with him. I remember thinking like, oh, this is like. This feel it felt it does feel like a sequel to the film. It doesn't feel like a also this happened. It does feel like a sequel to those to those two films. I really like Brian Yesna. Yeah, who directed both Bride and uh, Beyond Reanimator, as well as Society. Uh, I think he's a fantastic director. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I like Yesna, but I don't oh. love Yesna. And Return of the Living Dead three. I think it's Yuzna. Now Yuzna? that I think of it, Yuzna. He's a good guy. Yeah, Return of the Living Dead three is dope. So, Beyond right. Reanimator. I'm going to keep going down. Let's hit him up. Uh, the Addiction. This is a Abel Fiera movie. Yes. Uh, Abel Fiera directed The Incredible Bad Lieutenant, Miss 45, and The Driller Killer. Um, this is a black and white vampire film about this uh, postgraduate student who is attacked by a vampire and... This is treated like like a drug issue. Okay. And it it made me think about how you how you disliked brain damage. Yes. And I thought, ooh, Kiki would not like. Well, disliked is not the right way to explain it. I didn't outright love brain damage because I didn't like I wasn't super into the drug addiction allegory. Right. Um So that's that's what the addiction is. Sure. 
Uh, it's uh, vampirism uh, substitute for drug addiction. And it's pretty on the fucking nose. Uh, there's a part, like, she hasn't outright started attacking people. And there's this fucked up part where she finds this homeless man on the street and she draws his blood with a syringe and she goes back into her bathroom. She ties up her arm, you know, so she can, you know, get a vein to pop up. And then she shoots up this homeless man's blood. Ew. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, Ew. it's pretty fucked up. That's your worst nightmare. It really fucking is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eric is not afraid of monsters, zombies, entities he's afraid of other people's blood yes which I, actually kind of makes sense it's if something to be afraid, if afraid of if you're bleeding stay away from me yes um which i guess should be a good rule for anybody <laughs> right right oh and the, the star of this film i'm afraid i don't know her name she's the mother in the conjuring too so throughout the course of the film she's like building up her legion of vampires and they have a very specific plan space vampires uh, no not unfortunately no space vampires and unfortunately no titties uh, but they have a very specific plan of people who they plan to attack. Yes. And uh, it's pretty fucking awesome. Nice. And yeah. this is This addiction? is Abel Fiera's The Addiction. Nice. Yes. I probably will never watch this movie. Right. Yeah. Hearing your description. But it does sound cool. Yeah. It's it's a drug allegory using vampire-ism. Fantastic. Uh, all right. So the next one is Down. Yes. Uh, Down is a remake of The Lift. This is Naomi Watts, right? This is no. This is Naomi Watts. I'm a big fan of Naomi Watts. Uh, this is written and directed by the same man who directed The Lift. Dick Moss. Dick Moss. Down sucks, duh. Damn, duh. That sucks. The Lift is so good. You told me that. Yeah, yeah. The Lift is so good. Down is bullshit. I almost feel like they're they're fucking people over by not just putting this out as a double feature. Down like, sucks. Down. I feel like they were, like Blue Underground <laughs> was a little greedy trying to put I'm, both of these. I'm out. so glad I watched the lift first because had I watched Down first, I would have been like, oh, you know, stay, funny. Stay away from the lift. I almost bought Down thinking, yeah, that'd be cool. An elevator movie, the remake of this other movie with with Naomi Watts. But now that you say this, absolutely I, not. I mean, I mean, what I mean, haunted elevators are everything to me. Of course, you know, nothing's better. Um, there was a moment in the film where I was like, wait a minute, it's doing something. This is cool. Um, it hits a lot of Easy's spidey sense, right? Um, it it retreads all of the fun beats of the lift. Okay, but then like they try to make it like more action. Like he ends up taking it out with like a fucking rocket launcher, like the main guy, the protagonist. And I was just like, ah, whatever. E dogs over the lift. And you know what? Did the, you buy the lift? I, the lift is great. The down is what's not did, good. Did you buy down? I did buy down. Oh my god! I did buy down. Oh, well, what I, the I, fuck I was, are you doing buying down, oh, down? Well, let me explain it to you. The lift is excellent, and Amsterdam is amazing. Both Dick Moss films. Both Dick Moss films. So Dick Moss had a lot of goodwill built up. And Dick Moss has a lot of good films. And uh, for my birthday, I was given an Amazon gift card. So I was like, we're buying The Addiction and Down. So, you know, it wasn't a complete loss. Not the new 2K scan of Halloween 3. You're going to get... You know what, Da? I mean, we love Halloween but I am, I'm, you know, I'm glad that I tried sure. something new. New. No, and, I, you and know I'm what? here to tell you down was, eh. I kind of, I know what you're saying because like, that's how I feel about Life Force. I don't think, I, I liked Life Force more than you liked this movie, but uh, I'm happy to own it. I'm happy to see something new, happy to have a piece of history. But um, not that I thought Life Force sucked, but it always sucks when you buy one that's shit. Like, right. um, which one did I get that I didn't like was uh, uh, Venom from Blue Underground. Um, 
I, I you know, it was an okay movie, but I'm like, I paid fucking $20 for this. Why did I buy this? Um, so if you're looking for a haunted elevator Blood Diner, film, another great example. Watch The Lift. No, watch Devil. That's actually a pretty good film. Devil's not terrible. No, it's not terrible. Yeah. All right, I'm going to keep this going, Da. Keep this train a-rockin'. E-Bob. This movie sort of blew me the fuck away, Da. Uh-oh. This next one. Uh-oh. And I need to know, can we classify it as a 2018 film? Uh-oh. Because I need to know if I can put it on my end of the year list. And that film is? And I'm talking about Benson and Moorhead's The Endless. Yeah, it's this year. Okay. Have you seen The Endless? Okay. So I had this pre-ordered and it was coming out in June and your boy was short on cash. Okay. So I canceled my pre-order. Haven't seen it yet. Dying to see it because Uh, I love these guys. The Endless is nuts. Yes. I'm aware. And I know that it goes crazy and they're involved like themselves in their prior films. Um, I don't say anything, please. I didn't know that. Okay. I know that. Okay. So all of their films, Resolution, Spring, and The Endless take place in the same universe. Yes. I didn't know that. I watched The Endless. I was like, fuck, this is good. I was watching the making of, and then they said that, and I was like, holy shit. Spring is a fucking new American classic, I feel like. Spring is uh, amazing. Love Spring. I love that it's a romantic monster film. So The Endless is about Benson and Moorhead play these dudes. They also had a hand in um, uh, Southbound, right? Isn't Benson and Moorhead Southbound? That's a great question. I'm yeah, not sure. I'm pretty sure. They had a segment? Them in Radio Silence, I believe. Well, Southbound's good. I fucking love Southbound. If we're wrong, fuck us. Please proceed. Okay, so the endless is Benson and Moorhead. They play characters. They're the, they're the protagonists. They were in a UFO death cult, and they were able to escape. Um, you learn that they regularly go to like therapy deprogramming classes. Yeah. One of them is like, Super glad that they're out. Like, fuck that. That was crazy that we were ever involved in a cult. And the other one regrets his decision. They have like a shitty janitorial job. They're eating ramen three times a day. They're having trouble meeting women. And in his head... Sounds like you, Doc. <laughs> I'm actually describing myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm not is this talking, a film or is this uh, e about the endless. Yeah. This, this is, this is E-Dogmas is what I'm okay. discussing. Um. So one of them, he remembers the cult as being something good. So they're clashing over this, the, the two main guys. They're, they're not Benson and Moorhead in the film. Right. Ballsy as fuck to be the main characters of the film, though. So the one who's like, I'm glad we got out of that fucking situation, agrees to go with him to go back to the cult so that he can like see like, look, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. But when they get back to the cult, it kind of seems like maybe it's not that bad. So they start butting heads again. One that what the, the guy who's happy they left, he's ready to bounce right away. And the other guy is wanting to stay again. I'm not going to even tell you where it goes from there because yeah. it's fucking fucking crazy. Yes. Okay. So, but what I will tell you, have you seen resolution? Yeah. Okay. I love these guys. Okay, so yeah. I've never seen Resolution. You've never seen Resolution? Oh, I watched it after I watched The Endless. Oh my gosh. Those two main dudes are in The Endless. The okay. Two, the two main I, dudes. I, I almost wish you didn't tell me that. Okay. I knew that it was related to their films. Resolution is fucking sick. Okay, so what Res so I'm gonna I'm I can't tra- believe you. I'm sorry, I cannot I'm gonna, believe I'm you didn't see Resolution. Into Resolution now. <laughs> Great film. Okay, yeah. So I watched it after watching. One of the worst key art 
debacles in history, which is that it's like a hand with a chain around it. It looks like a torture film. Mm. That's not at all what it is. No, at all. Not a, and not, it's not a torture film. It's a great indie film. Okay, so it's uh, uh, like almost otherworldly without sh- with showing you nothing. It's okay. fucking awesome. So I feel bad that I told you that it involves those two. That's dudes, okay. But I think you're going to be really hyped on the endless now. I'm. I've already been hyped. I've just been fucking up. Um, okay, so the end. So excuse me. So the resolution is about these two former best friends. Yes, and one of them kind of a lot like us, actually. I'm describing us again. I'm not talking yeah. about uh, one films. of them's a drug addict. Right. One of them is uh, is a tweaker. Yep. Who lives out in the middle of nowhere? He squats uh, in this house that's on an Indian reservation. Uh, the other guy is mildly successful, married, expecting a child. Um, he. Goes to his tweaker friend, asks if he will go to rehab. The tweaker friend says, no way. So the friend tases him and handcuffs him to a wall. Yes. And he tells him that he's going to keep him there to try to help him go through... Detox. Detox. Yep. And you know, I didn't buy that part of the film. Really? Like, you know how like in like brain damage, he's like writhing on like the bathroom floor where he's just like in so much pain. Like, I felt like the film doesn't hit. Any of that. But I also don't feel like that's really the film. Well, I have to say, like, from a filmmaking standpoint, if your character is doing that, then you can't sympathize with them or see through their eyes or How have... you not sympathize with someone in pain? Well, you could, but, I mean, dialogue... You need dialogue. And if they're arriving in pain the whole, you know, hour and a half, you know, detoxing, then how are you going to describe... I mean, you need dialogue and sure. things. That's... Yeah. It can't just be a visual thing, right? So, like, you need the characters to speak to each other. I'm not saying that has to be the whole film, but sure. I feel like they don't even, like, press upon that. Like, he's just, like, he's angry the entire time, but he never seems yeah. like he's... I never bought that he's hasn't done meth in seven days. It, you know, it's funny. You're and saying, that's fine, though. You're saying, you know, I didn't like brain damage because of the drug allegory. I don't think that's the only reason I didn't like it, but it is funny because I loved Resolution, and this film is actually about, like, detoxing your friend, but it's about those two friends. In a way, I saw this right around the time I saw The Battery. And this film reminded me a lot of The Battery. Very, you know, friends friends falling out, need to get better. Um, You know, again, not the same as The Battery, just, yeah, I don't know. It's It really takes you there. And I Resolution's sick, dude. So go ahead. So, um, and and I know the ending. I mean, I remember the ending of Resolution very well. So if that's what you're thinking of. Uh, so which sup- we sup- shouldn't say. No, I won't. So something is afoot in the area. Yes, where these two men are staying. Um, so there's a part where the main character in resolution he he constantly goes out for like runs or jog. Yeah, or he goes to where he can get cell reception so he can call his wife. And anyways, there's a part where he's walking uh, down a stream and he runs into these three men. And two of those dudes are Benson and Moorhead. Oh yeah. And this is when they were still in the cult. Wow. Okay. Um, and so there's like a great part where that scene from resolution is in endless where they're seeing clips of when they were in the cult. Wow. I feel like spring doesn't really have anything to do. Not really. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I understand it's supposed to be in the same universe. Um, anyways, the endless is great. I wish I would have known about resolution prior. Um, but I was so excited to like then watch resolution yeah. after watching the endless, they're both terrific films. Of those three films, I think The Endless is the best yeah. of the three. 
Um, it's going to end up probably as one of my fave of the year, and I strongly suggest you get on it. Well, I'm, I'm going to get on it. I had it. Remember, it's funny. On the pod, I said I had it pre-ordered, and I was all excited because Wellgo put a really nice slip cover on there. Mm-hmm. I and found it at Best Buy for $12. Nice. That's a great price. So, yeah, I, I just – I've slept on it. Um, every time I'm about to turn a movie on and click play, I'm like, is this the night for the endless? And I move to something else. But um, I'm dying Here, to see it. Here's what I say. Your next day off, sleep in. You're well rested. Do you drink soda? I always see you drink energy drinks. I drink Monster. Okay, get and a monster. monster and beer. What what's your snack of choice? Uh Reese's. Get a Reese's, get a Monster after you're well rested, enjoy the fucking endless. Man, that sounds better than anything right now. Yeah. Uh so I'm going to keep this fucking train Train going. a rolling, boys. And it's too long. Uh I finally saw We promise coming up. God, dude, we have so much more to go. We do. It's kind of fucked up. We do. We also have a topic we've never spoken about yet. This is fucked up. We have. I almost feel like this could just be an episode here. Uh, okay, so keeping this, uh, what we've been watching train going, I finally saw Steven Soderbergh's shot on an iPhone film. Unsane. We are two hours into the podcast right now. I say we continue. Okay. I think we continue, don't you? Yeah. Fuck it. Let's give him a four-hour episode. Whew. So you guys want a four-hour episode out there, right? I'm glad I don't have to listen to it. <laughs> uh, so, Steven Soderbergh's Unsane. Yes, let's hear about it. It's, have you seen it? Uh, no, I know about it. You know, it's the iPhone film. Okay, this is about a woman who uh, is unwillingly admitted to a mental institution. Okay. And Juno Temple is in there as this crazy woman. And uh, I really like Juno Temple. Eric has expressed before on the podcast that Eric likes Juno Temple. He does a Juno Temple fan, but I feel like, what is she doing? I have no idea. You know what movie was fucking terrible? Uh, Hannah. Dirty Girl. Ew. With Juno Temple. Okay. Ugh, that movie Let me was ask you not this, good. How many more What We've Been Watching films do you have? Nine. Okay. So this woman is uh, unwillingly admitted to a mental institution. She's freaking out. She has a job. She has a house. You know, she needs to get back to. She can't just be you know, institutionalized. Mm -hmm. At first they tell her it's just going to be for a 24 hour observation. But in her anger, she lashes out at another inmate. I don't know. Uh, as well as one of the nurses. So they're now going to keep her for a week. Okay. And so she's freaking out. Um, are you a Steven Soderbergh fan? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I like, uh, he's not like my, he's not like my go-to director. I mean, I definitely like, so I hate to do this, but he's a super interesting director because he does all types of different shit. Right. He's not confined to Um, even down to Haywire, uh, which is a cool movie. Logan Lucky is one of my favorite films. Logan Lucky's fucking amazing. Logan Lucky is, I, I'm going to talk more exploitation here in a second. Um, Contagion's actually a really terrifying movie. I'm too scared to watch that movie. Oh, you would hate, you would be terrified. terrified to watch Contagion. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, so, um, you learn insane. Uh, this is Claire Foy. Yes, she's the main character. You learn that she recently moved over five hundred miles because she was being stalked by this man. And while she's in this institution, one of the nurses looks just like the man that's been stalking her. Okay. So at first, I was like, "Oh, she's crazy," you know. And of course, nobody believes her. Of she's, course not. She's trying to explain. This man has been stalking what, me. One of my pet peeves in film, actually. Is that it takes forever for everyone to believe. Yes. Which is why I love The Conjuring, because everyone immediately recognizes something's wrong. Right. Yes. I'm going to watch Annabelle before The Nun. You know, I was thinking, you know what I'm going to do? Uh, I'm going to watch Conjuring 2 
before the nun because that's what has Valak in it. Right, that's where yeah. she's introduced. I'm um, so fucking pumped for the nun, by the way. Yep. Uh, so insane, insane. We're Let's getting there. We're getting there. Claire Foy stalked by a stalker. Big twist. It is that guy. Uh oh. So now she's unwittingly, unwillingly, sure, stuck in this mental institution with the man who's been stalking her for X amount of time. What can she do? Can she get out? Yes. Everybody thinks she's a fucking nut. It's good, but I feel like this is like a film that like my parents would have rented and been like, this is sick. Like a Redbox movie in a way? Yeah, this is, you know, like, you know, my, my parents don't have genre knowledge. Right, right. You know, this this is just kind of like a, a Friday night rental thriller for adults. Yeah, it's a... Not adults. I, I don't want to call my parents boring, but for like... Lack of a better term. Yeah, for like people who like maybe aren't passionate about film like we are. Sure. You know, it's like, oh, there's this new movie out. Let's watch it. Now, how is the iPhone aspect? I never would have guessed that it was shot. It looked good enough for you? Uh, right. I never would have guessed that it was shot on an iPhone. There's way too many cuts in it. Oh, I hate cut, that. Cut, 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 cut. Like, even for simple uh, conversations between two characters on a bench. Cut, 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 cut. Um, One of my biggest pet peeves, by the way. Over-editing so is horrendous. It's it's a fine film, but, I mean, it's not going not gonna to be on anything for me. It's okay. weird that I keep mentioning my end-of-the-year list. I, uh, no, that's cool. Yeah. I hate to do this. Let's hit the next one. Let's hit the next one. Unsane. Okay. You didn't like it that much, but it was pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's you know, like. It sounds like a Redbox movie to me, which is kind of a diss, by the way. It's it's a diss. Like, let's rent Taken 18 from fucking Redbox. You know, but Redbox, I've definitely rented some good Redbox. You have, but Redbox. you know what I'm saying. Right. Lowest common denominator it's like bullshit. like you wake up on a Sunday morning. It's playing yeah. on HBO. You're doing your laundry. No, I would say FX. While you're watching it. FXX. All right, next up, I got two William Friedkin films for you. Okay. William Friedkin is the director, of course, of the original Exorcist. Uh, don't tell me you watch Sorcerer. Uh, no, did Scream Factory put that out? No, no. There's a there's a Blu-ray that's out of print of Sorcerer. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, I, I've always I, wanted I, to see that I movie. I know of Sorcerer, but I don't know what it's about. Yeah. I just know it's a Friedkin film. I've always wanted to see it. Okay, so uh, the first Friedkin film I wish to discuss is Cruising. Have okay. you heard of this? This yeah, is the I, yeah. Al Pacino film. Yes, I know Cruising. I, I believe, never saw it. But yeah. I believe this is 1981. Uh, cruising is about a serial killer who's specifically killing gay men. Uh, Al Pacino uh, goes undercover, goes to all these like gay S&M clubs in hopes to run into the killer. I feel like I'd heard crazy things about Cruising. I wanted to be like shocked. Yeah, when watching Cruising. Um, it's certainly not like run-of-the-mill, and the opening kill is pretty fucking brutal. Yes. Um, I could see where like the average Joe would be like, this is crazy. There's scenes where he goes into these gay bars, and it's like they're always just about to bust into orgy. Okay. you know Which Eric loves. Dudes giving each other head. There's this one part where this dude's on a swing and this other guy's lubing up his arm, I guess, to fist him. I, I'm not sure we needed to know all that, but yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, no, there's a point. I'm sure there's a there's point. There's a point. There's always a point. Um, That imagery could be so much more graphic. Right. But the camera just keeps rolling. So at no point was I, like, disgusted or shocked. Sure. You know. Um, what I'm, I'm not sure what that says about you, though. That that didn't bother me. Um, it's a joke. Please proceed oh. with your cruising review. Um, 
So he sets out to find this uh, gay killer. It's good, but coming in from the viewpoint of wanting to be grossed out. Right. And knowing it's a Friedkin film, which like your your expectations are probably pretty high. Right. Some, I, I was hoping, okay, I guess I shouldn't say grossed out. I was looking for extreme. Yeah. And because I didn't feel like it was that extreme, I guess it didn't really resonate me. It sounds like with eight me. millimeter in a way. Eight millimeter is good. Well, I love eight millimeter, but is it like that? Like, because going into yes. an underground type world like that and trying to find a killer, essentially. Right. Um, it's in no way a bad film. Okay. Um, but I guess it didn't resonate with me because I was looking to be shocked and at no point was I. Okay. Okay. Cruising. That was cruising. That was cruising. Yes. Now, the next Friedkin film I want to talk about is Killer Joe. Oh, okay, cool. Duh, Killer Joe is amazing. I, you, you know, I never Killer saw Joe? it. Oh. I know, I know, I know. Duh, Killer Joe is fucking fantastic. I need to see it. Okay, if you walk away with two films from this episode, like you yourself, you need to see The Endless and Killer Joe. And Slimeball Bolarama. Yeah, you know, if you got some time to kill. Sure. Killer Joe is fucking incredible. Let me announce this cat, this cast real quick, okay? Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> Emil Hirsch, yes, Thomas Jane, Gina Gershon, and Juno Temple. Wow, dot. This film is so 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 good, amazing. Okay, so uh, Emil Hirsch is involved with some bad dudes, and he owes them money. Okay. So he goes to Thomas Jane, who is his father, and Emil Hirsch has recently learned of Matthew McConaughey, who is a police detective, but he also but he is also a hired hitman. Okay. He charges twenty five thousand dollars for his services. Now Emil Hirsch has also recently learned that his mother, who he doesn't get along well with, okay, it's not Thomas Jane. Excuse me, it's Thomas Hayden Church. Okay. Is the father. Sandman from Spider-Man 3. Correct. Yeah. Yes, that, that's what I went to. Is that Spider-Man 3? That is Spider-Man okay. 3, unfortunately. That Topher movie Grace is, is Venom. Ooh. Speaking of which, Venom. Woo. Yeah. Well, that's coming up in, uh, that's going to be a PG-13 fiasco. Yes, it is. Um, Ruben Fleischer fiasco. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Emil Hirsch is able to convince his father, played by Thomas Hayden Church, that they should hire Matthew McConaughey to kill their mother because she has a $50,000 Life insurance policy. Okay. As you do when you have a $50,000 life insurance Correct. policy. So they go to uh, Matthew McConaughey and they tell him, hey, we can't pay you up front. Uh-huh. But as soon as we get the check, then we can. And Matthew McConaughey is like, fuck you. You know, that's not how this works. You pay me before I perform my services. Well, in this time while he's getting to know Emil Hirsch and Thomas Hayden Church, he starts to uh, get to know Emil Hirsch's little sister, played by Juno Temple. Uh huh. And she's kind of she's not developmentally disabled, but she's not a hundred percent there. And like they start to fall in love. Matthew uh, McConaughey and uh, Matthew McConaughey and, and, and Juno, Juno Temple. Temple. Yes. So, uh, Emil Hirsch agrees that he can basically have Juno Temple if they don't come up with their $25,000. Okay. Of course, nothing goes to plan. Shit gets insanely fucked up that the film was was awarded an NC-17 yes, rating. which uh, effectively killed that film. And Friedkin refused to cut yep. uh, anything. It is exploitation insanity, and it's fantastic. Not a horror film. Sure. But 
I think fans of horror will respect its genre nature. fans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's fucking nuts, dude. It is so good. It, it sounds is, like a Jeremy Saulnier film, but almost better. It I mean, I, I feel I feel dumb saying this, but it's like white trash mayhem. Okay, cool. It is excellent, dude. Killer Joe is so, so good. Um, I'd seen it when the blue originally dropped in I think twenty eleven or twenty twelve. Yep. And like since then I was just like I want to rewatch Killer Joe. I, I wanna, feel like you've talked about it a lot. Like that's that like for years, and then a couple weeks ago, I had a week off, and I was like, I'm going to finally watch Killer Joe again. Right. The other film I wish to do that with is Hugo. Keeping it going. Oh, I love Hugo. Duh. Uh, this is a new. This is a fairly new blue from uh, Scream Factory. Return of the Living Dead Part Two. Yes. I feel like I'm getting winded, but we're going to keep it going. That's okay. I mean, do people want to keep hearing E Dog just fucking? Blah, I think so. On keep and going on and on and on and on. Okay. Fortunately, we're we're getting to the end. I I apologize for not having more. I was busy watching our topic. Eric was busy watching our topic and everything he could possibly get his fucking hands on. Um, I've, so I've said before on the on, on a pod, did too. How I used to like only like Romero zombie films. Sure. I used to think zombies didn't talk, brains. They didn't eat brains. They didn't run, and I finally gotten away from that. And Return of the Living Dead couldn't be further from a Romero zombie film. Sure. It is incredibly fucking wacky, and I was there for it this time. I used to not like this film. And you know what? It kind of doesn't hold a candle to the original Return no. of the Living Dead. It's more of a Return comedy. Return of the Living Dead is fucking classic. Yeah. And you know what? I was literally like laughing out loud. Like I was just like, all right, fuck it. Let's see the dumb fucking gags. Let's sure. see the fucking zombies dressed up as Michael Jackson. Let's see the fucking... Uh, zombies, you know, fucking watch exercise videos. Um, and I liked it. Awesome. I liked it a lot. Yeah. This um, is the first time it's been on home video with the original music. Correct. And uh, I, I really, I haven't seen it since I watched, I watched all five of these films uh, back in Necropolis fucking, and Rave to the Grave. Dude, probably like 2004 or five. It had to be six. And let me tell you why. Because I was working at Hastings then. Rave to the Grave. And that's when those films went straight to DVD. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, and I. The first uh, three are great. I loved the first three. And I haven't seen two in forever. I've seen one a lot. I love. One's amazing. Um, I actually rewatched three when the Vestron video release came out. Um, And it's still pretty good. I didn't like it as much as I did when I was younger, but it's still good. But I need to rewatch two. Um, I'm so happy I came around to this film. Yeah. Uh, I think it was silly of me to, uh, I think if we go in knowing it's a, a comedy, not a horror film, I feel like I'll like it even more. Um, I was watching the making of, and, uh, there's a, there's, there's tons of fantastic practical effects. Yeah. And that was one thing that I really noticed this time. And there's, there's a making of where it's just the guys who did the effects and they're talking about how like they disagreed with the director on everything because the director was just like, Gag, 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 gag. You know, comedy gag, gag, yeah. gag, gag. Yeah. And the entire time, they just wanted to be like, no, this needs to be scary. And uh, I almost think that's kind of cool that he wanted to differentiate, differentiate it so much from right. part one. It's kind of a remake of part one as well. I don't want I don't want to say it's like classic, but I feel like it's, it's the film that can. Yeah, like I almost think like we have... That, that film could... People, People call movies B-movies, and I feel like the B-movies that people call B-movies, those are our classic masterpieces. Right. And we're like, these aren't fucking B-movies. These are great movies. Halloween's not a B-movie, of course. And then even stuff like Halloween 4, like that's not a B-movie to us. That's the best sequel. Um, But films like Return of the Living Dead 
two. Right. That's a B movie to us that we like, right? Like right. we have a different tier of a B, B movies. movies. Exactly. Right. Cause our favorite films are quote unquote B movies, which they're not to us. Perfectly explained. So what's your next film? Uh, next film I wanted to like, and it's good, but it didn't, didn't resonate with easy. And I'm talking about pie whack it. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, you know, on the cover of Piewacket, it says, see the film that was banned in two countries. I couldn't tell you why. That never pans out, Dad. I couldn't tell you why. It's probably marketing talk. Uh, it's I, only a movie. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. Um, so Piewacket is about, and at first I thought I was going to get a serious deathgasm, the way it started. Okay. Because it's about this girl who's like into like death metal and all of her friends are, you know, like. Or Devil's Candy. I thought I was going to get a film like that, but that's just kind of like a quick introduction sure. uh, to this main character. Um, she doesn't get along with her mom. Uh, they don't explain why, but the father recently passed away and, uh, the mom is wanting to move. She feels like she needs a, a fresh start away from uh, where they lived, where the father died. The daughter couldn't be more upset about it because all of her friends are where they currently are. She's so upset with her mom. She summons this witch demon thing, pie whack it, uh, to kill her. Okay. But when she soon learns that this is legit, that this demon witch thing is really going to come, not only kill your mom, but then kill you, she sets out to reverse it. Uh, Pumpkinhead. Kind of sounds like Pumpkinhead. He summons a Pumpkinhead to right. come kill the kids that, that ran his son over. Right. And then regrets it and fights it because he's like, fuck, I shouldn't have done this. I would call... Sounds like Pumpkinhead to me, Da. I mean, you're not wrong, but I almost feel like Pumpkinhead is like more action-y. Well, I mean, for sure, yeah. You know, it's, it's Lance Henriksen with a shotgun Stan, trying to fight a monster. Winston. Stan Winston? Yeah. Right. Piewacket. I saw on the internet it it liked, it Lincoln, it liked, I don't know what, what I'm trying Likened to say. Likened itself to? Hereditary oh, Witch. Oh, no. Uh, it's not. Okay. Hereditary and the Witcher. Those are... You know, I feel fucking dumb saying this. Right. Those are elevated horror films. Yeah. Piwack is that's a like, solid effort. And I know that's like a bullshit way to describe stuff, but I feel like it, it, it does add some kind of... You understand what we're saying by that, but it is a pretentious bullshit way to describe right. something elevated. But you're saying Piwacket is not elevated horror. Yeah, it's, it's a solid effort. Okay, cool. It's a solid... Like, I would say... Give it a try? Give it a try. Yeah. If Or just watch Pumpkinhead? Or watch Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead's the, so they're, fucking They're good. fucking different as fuck, though. No, I gotcha, I gotcha. Uh, but, yeah, fuck. Watch Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead's fucking okay, great. Okay, so on our next episode, we're going to review Pumpkinhead Part 2 Blood Wings. What's I, next? I've never seen the sequel. Me either. Ugh, I'm scared. Okay, so next. Is this your last movie? No, I got a few more. Oh, my God. Duh. Okay, so my next one is, this is, uh, I actually saw this film. In like 2012 or 2013. I saw it in the theater. Okay. Uh, I saw it at Alamo Draft House of unknown origin. This is a Peter Weller film. Yes. In which he's like a Wall Street yuppie. This like just dropped, didn't it? Uh, Scream Factory just put out the blue. That's right. Um, his wife and son go to visit the wife's father. He is up for a promotion, so he's going to take this alone time to work on his work. But he soon learns that he has a rat in the house, like the size of like a house cat. Okay. And he slowly starts going crazy, uh, becoming obsessed with how to stop this rat. And uh, it kind of fucked me up because I've had mouse problems 
And so I just kept thinking of this giant fucking rat. Okay, you know how you're terrified of uh, blood, for instance? Yes. Um, my version of that, now I want to be clear. It's not just a mouse. That's not what scares me. Right. What scares me is being my my place of where I live. Residence. Having mice in it. Right. It's not just the mice. I don't care. Like, yeah, I, hell, I'll pick one up and throw it across the wall. I mean, I wouldn't do that, but you know what I'm saying? That wouldn't ruin my life. Right. But what does ruin my life is knowing they're there, but you can't find them. Right. And you just uh, see the fucking droppings. That is my... Like, that's my worst nightmare. Like, I'm freaking out right now. I feel like I need to go home and spray fucking bug spray. You might want to. Yeah. And like, and watch I, a few more films and talk about them on this episode. And, and as I was like watching of known, of unknown origin. Fuck my star. Um, like, I kept thinking, I was like, should I go look under the sink? And you see definitely if, should. See if there's any openings. Like, do I need a cock? I think. Is there, is, is, my house is so fucking old though, da. There's just, you know, cracks going up the wall. Yeah. You know, the fucking ceiling is ready to cave in in my bedroom. I think the best way to describe, I guess, not phobia, but my fear is infestations. Yes. My fear is infestations I'm, in my house. I've been fighting a cockroach infestation since 92. You're like Joe's apartment. Yes. Okay. Except for they're not friendly cockroaches. Unfortunately. Uh, of you unknown- could use some friends, though. Maybe they could become friendly. <laughs> right. Uh, of unknown origin is great, and it terrified me. Okay, cool. It, it's not like a scary supernatural sense. Sure. But like, oh God, there's fucking rodents everywhere. Fuck that, dog. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, it, uh, Peter Weller descends into madness where he creates this like makeshift full body armor uh, in order to do battle with the rat. Wow. It's great. That's, that actually sounds like a lot of fucking fun. It's really, really but good. But I do not like mice. All right, Dad, we're nearing the end finally. All I've, right, I'm ready, Dad. I've got uh, three that I can take out as one. Three? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go I, ahead. I have a total of four, but I can do three as one. All right, let's hit it. Okay, so uh, I'm so goddamn excited for next month's uh, The Predator, directed by Shane Black and Absolutely. co-written by Fred Decker. Eric is more excited for The Predator. I'm more excited for The Nun. You are correct, sir. Yes. That I revisited Predator 1, 2, and Predators. Uh, Predator, of course, is the classic uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger sci-fi action Absolutely. film. Um, in which there is a alien who specifically comes to Earth to hunt. To game. Hunt, game. Right? Yep. And he specifically singles out uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, elite commandos. And eventually it boils down into a one-on-one fight between Schwarzenegger and this alien who has the advantage in terms of strength and technology. A perfect action film. It's I a love perfect action film. It's really, really good. Uh I like Predator 2. Donald Glover? This is Donald Glover. And I'm getting too old for this shit. Uh, I I wanted to revisit. like Predator 2 was my reason sure. to, uh, for revisiting films because it's the one I had seen the least. And because Jake Busey, his character in The Predator is the son of Gary Busey's character in Part 2. Uh-huh. So I wanted to familiarize myself with Gary Busey's character. Um what I'm down on about uh, Predator 2 is like I feel like the Predator doesn't have um, any sense of like direction, like motivation. Like he purposely singles out, you know, Schwarzenegger's team in the first one. And then the Predator in Predator 2 is just doing it. You know, yeah, you, you learn that there's these two different gangs that are like terrorizing L.A. So initially it's killing them. And then Donald Glover learns of the Predator, so he goes after the Predator. And then so he's the, getting too old for this shit. So the Predator starts going after him, and it's just kind of like, 
it's it was like they already like fucked up the predator mythos. Sure. And it was like the same dudes who wrote uh, the first one. Right. Uh, directed by Stephen Tompkins. Don't okay. quote me on that, but he directed uh, Nightmare Five, uh, The Dream Child, Ooh. and and he actually got Predator Two because the producers were impressed with his work of uh, The Dream Child. Uh, and then I watched Predators. Did this they is, watch the same movie that uh, we did? Right. Um, and then I rewatched Predators. This is the Nimrod and Tell yes. film mm-hmm. uh, with Adrian Brody. Uh, with the incorrect trailers of like the bunch of lights on. Uh, there there yeah. was a bunch of weird footage in the trailers that was altered to make the film look bigger than it was. Do you remember that? Yeah. No, there, there's a part in the, in the, tra- in the misleading like trailer. There's 50 lights. Where it's like three Predator reticles. Like, Targeting systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on Adrian Brody. And in the film, it's only one. I think I like Predators more than Predator. Oh my lord! Okay, it's so, so I I I think it's really good. I think they did a good job of switching up the predator mythos. Um, the biggest change is they're not on Earth. The predators kidnap them and bring them yes to a game planet, and you learn that not only do they hunt humans, but they've also uh, hunt other alien species that they've yes. also brought to this planet that the humans also run. Uh, into it's almost like a hunger games battle royale type scenario um in a way in a predator spin uh you learned that there's these three elite uh predators and they're like having like a blood feud as the film describes it with the regular predators of the yes. original film and the humans they're not caught up in it like they're there for a reason to be hunted and killed um and try to find a way off uh, the planet. And I feel like that's part of the film's fun. Like, okay, not only are we being hunted by predators, but how the fuck do we get off Yeah, uh, we're fucked planet? regardless. Right. Even if we survive the predators, we're not near home. Right, I mean, exactly. we're fucked, yeah. I think there that's would, terrifying to me. I think there would have been a great Predator sequel where it was just Adrian Brody trying to learn how to find a predator ship. Uh, such a good fucking cast style. You got Adrian Brody. You got Danny Trejo. I like Topher Grace. Who's uh, who's the dude who's going to be in the new uh, True Detective? Mahershala Ali. Yep. Oh, he's in it. He's in I it. I don't remember him being in it. That's cool. Yep. Yep. He's in it. You know, Jeremy Saulnier like directed like the first four episodes of the new True Detective. That's very exciting. And then he left, I guess. So we'll see how that goes. Huh. Uh, Larry Fishburne. Uh, and what's cool about uh, the Predators is like, did you say Larry as a nickname? You know, whenever he was introduced in Pee Wee's Playhouse, he was introduced really? as Larry okay. Fishburne. I've never heard him considered Larry. I've only he known credi- Lawrence. He was credited as Larry Fishburne in Pee Wee's Playhouse. So what I really like about Predators is it hits the like familiar beats of like, hey, this is what made sure. Predator 1 cool. But hey, we're going to do our own fucking thing. A new spin. And it's just fucking Predator on Predator creature violence. And God damn it, I can't wait for the Predator. I can't wait either. All right, E-Dog's down to his last fucking film. All right, the last one, everybody. I hope you guys don't hate E-Dog for talking so goddamn No, I think it's okay. Okay. Uh, So let's hear Easy's final film. Yep, and then I'm just going to off myself. This is is the last film I decided to watch in my life. Also, Eric Coffin's Tear Tunes coming up. Yep. Hit it up. Okay, so I watched Puppet Master of the Littlest Reich. Yes. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Knew that it was S. Craig Zeller. So I went to go visit his... IMDb filmography and I Mohawk? Thought, and I thought, what else has this motherfucker done? And the first film that he is credited with writing is a 2011 film with Rupert Evans, Evans called Asylum Blackout. 
So I thought, pick wow. it up. Pick it up. So E-Dog got a physical DVD. Ew. From Netflix. And you know, watched- I read they're going to stop shipping DVDs by 2020, 20, uh, 22, 2022. Well, easy, easy, better get ready. Well, let's hope everything's been upgraded to Blu-ray at that point, huh? No, they're going to stop shipping. Period. Yep. So, so what I'm saying, oh, like not even blue. Like the service will be gone in 2022. Oh, that's terrible news. I know. I'm sorry to tell you that. Bummer. Sorry to break it to you. Bummer. And you heard it first here on Goal Squad. That's right. Breaking news. Okay, so Asylum Blackout yes. is a 2011 film with Rupert Evans in which him and his two best friends are cooks at a mental institution for the criminally insane. One night, there's a huge storm. The film doesn't say this. There's a huge storm and a blackout ensues, thus freeing all of the inmates. Okay. So they must survive a night of terror in the asylum. Uh, you learn that it is so dark, they can't even see in front of them. And there are dudes who are just looking to kill them everywhere they go. They are forced to run from like office to office in an attempt to fortify it while they are trying to find a phone to call the police. So it's like 31 kind of? I'm so glad you said that. Okay. Because the dude who is like the ringleader of all the inmates, his name is Doomhead. It's the motherfucker who plays Doomhead. No shit. Yes. Uh, I'm going to look up his name just really fast. Well, 31, we love. Uh, we like. Yeah. You know, as soon as I said love, I'm like, uh-oh. Richard Brake. Yes. Do- who plays Doomhead in 31. He plays Doomhead in 31. Our favorite part of that movie. And in this film, his name's like Freddie Green or something. Um, he doesn't have a line of dialogue. Huh. And he is as equally menacing as he is in 31. Yes. The- he has a hell of a face. Um, he has a face for radio. I can tell you that much. This is, you know, I think I think you could say this about damn near every horror film. Like, damn, what would you do if you were in that situation? Of course. And Asylum Blackout plays out that fantasy just uh, so, so well. Uh, the first uh, room that they try to fortify is the kitchen. And, you know, there's a huge serving window for whenever they come to mm-hmm. get their meals. And there's this wild-ass fucking part where the inmates are just trying everything that they can get their hands on in order to uh, smash it down. Um, super intense. Um, it kind of sounds I, I, like, uh, did you ever see Murder Party? I did. German song, yeah, song, yeah. It almost kind of sounds like a mix between 31 and Murder Party. Um, I don't know why the fuck I watched Asylum Blackout other than because it was written oh. by S. Craig Zeller. Yep. Um, I like it, but it's like... Why did I watch Asylum Blackout? It's okay. No, like, it's cool. But, like... Like, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah, exactly. I guess the point is to have films to talk about. For sure. And I think you've sufficiently supplied... Yeah. Yeah, no, watch watch Asylum Blackout, guys. Really? Fucking watch it. Okay, cool. It's a a French film. Unfortunately, the gore isn't as hard as I think it should be. Uh, The director is French. Um, Especially if you like 31. Yeah. Check out Asylum Black Guy. If you like S. Craig Zeller, if you like Richard Brake, if you want me to stop talking, turn off the episode. 
Never come back. And watch a silent blackout. Yeah. So Run yeah, away so from the podcast. E-Dog has watched. E-Dog has seen every movie there has to be seen. And I've discussed every film here on this episode of The Goal Squad. And with that comes a four-hour long what we've been watching. A segment that Eric has to continue talking during. <laughs> and this is everybody's favorite part of the Ghoul Squad podcast, which is Eric Coffin's Territudes. Eric Coffin's Territudes. You know, I had an idea. Please tell me. Oh, maybe I shouldn't say it on the pod. Okay. I have an idea to do the theme song for Eric Coffin's Territudes, but in the tune of uh, Ooh, baby, ooh, baby. Eric, Eric Coffin's Territudes. It's kind of the same thing. It sort of is. Yeah. It actually already is the same thing. So here we go with Eric Coffin's Territudes. Yep. Eric Coffin's Territudes. Tunes. So I was told. Let's hear it. This is Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. Yes, this please. This is where I tried to highlight a horror punk band or a band somehow related to the horror scene. Yes. Uh, and hopefully, I don't always do this, but try to tie it into the episode. Uh, I was told last time. And your band this week is Dawkin. <laughs> well, I dream of <laughs> Um, I was told last time that I sounded like a robot reading off my phone. Really? Who were you told that by? Melissa. Hello, Melissa. So, Shout out. So below this is my list for my nightmare ranking, so I'm not going to show you that. Okay. But I just want to show you, Keegan, I didn't write a Terror Tunes for this episode. And he's showing me a full script on his phone oh, lying no. to the public. No, that's not true. That's not true. He has nothing written down. So Please. Enoch's just fun to fucking wing this Terror Tunes. Wing in the Terror Tunes. Okay. So the band I wish to discuss tonight is the Coffin Caddies. That is C-A-D-D-I-E-S. This is a band that I found probably early 2000s on MySpace, which I found so many horror punk bands uh, that way back then. Um, they had an album called I Dream of Jack-O-Lanterns, and just the other night, I Googled them to see what the fuck are the Caffin the Caffin, the Coffin Caddies, the, ca- the Cacophonous Coffin Caddies are the up to. The Cacophonous Coffin Caddies. To see what they're doing. They haven't done a single goddamn thing since 2008. They put out a EP called We Are Venom, which is also a song that you can find off of I Dream of Jack-O-Lanterns. They have a song on I Dream of Jack-O-Lanterns. You know, if you search this on YouTube, if you search for it on iTunes, it's called Nightmares on Elms Street. Okay. And I feel like, is that just, did somebody just fucking... I have no idea. I see, me neither. But that, I mean, that can't be right. It's not Nightmares on Elms That's Street. right, it's not. So anyways, the song I'm talking about is a Coffin Caddy song called Nightmares on Elm Street. Uh, obviously, it's about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. I've said in the past on uh, Terror Tune segments that what turns me on about horror punk bands is if they simply have a song about a horror movie. And another thing that turns me on is if they take a sample Ooh. from the film and insert it into the song. Are they about to hear that now? They can. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. Whatever you do,
Okay, so you guys just heard that. And what you may have just heard, there's seriously like six fucking samples before that song even starts. Okay. And I kind of fucking love that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So uh, metal bands back in the day used to do that, and we loved it. We loved horror movie samples and metal songs back in the day. Please proceed. Yeah, and this is literally, and it's like, and it's like dialogue from the trailer as well as like dialogue from characters from the first film. Um, but the song references part six, which is a, which is you know a terrible fucking idea. Absolutely. Uh, off the top of my head, other fun songs from that uh, album uh, are Michael. Uh, Monster Squad and Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Uh, this is a album you can find on iTunes currently. Uh, I don't think they're around anymore, but that was The Coffin Caddies. Well, thank you, Eric. That was a fantastic Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. That was a, that was Eric a free Coffin's ball. Fuck you, Eric. My Fuck balls you. were just flowing back and forth freely. They were. I was watching them. It was yeah. nice. It was a good view from My down fucking, here. It was Lenny Kravitz. Squatting down, balls popping out. Didn't know what the fuck I was talking about the entire time. And with that, I think we finally... Are we going to make it to the main portion? Of the somehow thing? made it to our goddamn topic, <sighs> which is... We've never recorded this long. We've never recorded this long. Or this late. Yes, we hope you're enjoying it. It is very late now. Uh, it's E-Dog's bedtime for sure. <laughs> no, it's definitely mine. We, we both work in the morning. We're yeah. both stir-crazy. And we're both very excited to be ranking... Been pounding waters, ate a hot and ready before we started. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it is now time to rank the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Yep. Hit it. Do it. We are discussing now the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Yes. We're obviously talking about Freddy Krueger, and we're going to tell you which ones we dislike all the way to the ones we like the most. That we love, yes. And you know what? My ranking is completely different from what I thought it would have been. I feel like you say that every time, kind of, with these rankings. Uh, what's funny is uh, I just recently started using Letterbox again, thanks to Shane Saw. Shout out to Shane. And one of the last... Uh, la- doesn't uh, Dream Warrior, the Dream Warrior. I also follow uh, her. Yes, she uses it as well. On, uh, on Letterbox as well. Shout out. And the last time I used it was 2013. The Holy last, shit. The last film I had logged was Cronenberg's Excellent A History of Violence. As well as the entire Nightmare uh, franchise. Nice. And at first, I thought it'd be fun to read that, but I decided not, I decided against that. Um, but they're night and day. They right. don't line up at all what I thought five years ago to what I thought now. Yeah, and I think... Um, so, okay. Let's start this whole thing off, right? And let's I, kick look, it off. Now. I know it's late. I know this episode's long. But we have to ask... Why do we like the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise? My favorite oh, question to cause, ask. Because Freddy is as iconic as they fucking come. Absolutely. He's he's a giant of a character. Yeah. And it is such a genius fucking idea. Yeah, he's Wes almost... Wes Craven, I mean, he knocked it out of the park with the invention of a monster who kills you in your sleep. Everybody yeah. needs sleep. I mean, Everybody has nightmares. It's almost... This is something different where like, okay, while I do... You know, Halloween's my favorite horror movie. That's what I'm currently saying is my favorite horror movie. And I do believe that, and I, I like it more than Nightmare. But what's baffling to me is, like, Michael Myers is a creation, while his look and everything, I think, is a baffling choice that is perfect. Um, 
I don't think it compares to what Wes Craven created with Freddy. I mean, I don't think any of these franchises compare to what he created. He created something that I guess will live on forever. There's this guy Mm -hmm. with five knives on his fingers and he haunts you in your sleep and kills you in your sleep. Just that alone, he wears a red sweater, striped sweater, and his face is burned. I mean, just that alone, like that's better than any legend in any horror movie. It's almost, while these are not my favorite, this is not my favorite franchise, which I guess we can talk about. It is one of the most bafflingly perfect fucking creations. And I feel like in the genre, like it's insane. So why do we like Nightmare? I think that's why. Because Wes Craven somehow created um, this genius concept. You know, we talk about like the boogeyman or or like these legends, right? And this guy just made one. Right. Like. How wild is that? You know, again, like Jason is a guy in a hockey mask, right? So the iconography is cool. But at the same time, it's not a legend in itself that will terrify you the rest of your life. This is, you know, this is a perfect creation of a perfect legend. You know, I, I said earlier how crazy it is that, you know, Lee Wanell co-created two horror franchises. Yes. Wes Craven knocked it out of the park three fucking times. They weren't yeah. franchises, but the motherfucker did Last House on the Left. Mm-hmm. Nightmare is probably one of the biggest horror franchises ever, period. Yeah. And obviously Scream. Scream, yeah. Which, how crazy is that? I mean, hell, throw in Hills Have Eyes in there. Right. I mean, Hills Have Eyes a fucking classic. Um, so yeah, um, that's why we like nightmare. I think there's another reason why I like Freddy so much. Let's hear it. Okay. So one of the themes that's, that's addressed throughout the films is that if they're no longer afraid of him, he doesn't have power over them. And I kind of like to liken that idea to like us personally to improve. Like, I think we all have like really shitty habits that if we no longer gave power to, we could get over. Yeah. You know, I think it's a very romantic idea that we as human beings can be better people. Are Keegan and I good people? No. Definitely but not. we can definitely strive to be if we no longer gave into the fears that right. we have. And that's kind of what's at the heart of these nightmare films. And the films as they go, I don't think the first one does as much. But as they go, it, they become basically allegories for what each of the kids have problems with their own fears in their own life. And Freddie uses those fears and they have to overcome that fear of that, whatever their fear is. It's less about Freddie and more about overcoming their own issues, which I think you're totally right. And, and definitely uh, is one of the reasons uh, the franchise is so franchise. And I feel like the franchise, this one is very different from like, when we talk how the difference and this is okay so how is how is nightmare on elm street different from friday or even halloween and i'll go first okay. you know i think it's wildly different especially from friday which they get compared a lot and friday is just they got teamed up yeah definitely but friday is just which by the way i want to say this first i like the friday franchise more than nightmare friday is my favorite mainstream slasher franchise as far as franchise it's my favorite um it doesn't have my favorite movie right halloween does but i think the franchise as a whole uh friday is better but friday is just us so they're just slasher films right right? where i think what's interesting about nightmare is that it is this bigger idea these bigger 
you know, creation of a legend, these bigger face your fears type things like right. they're about more and they don't always succeed. They definitely don't always succeed, especially the later ones, but especially the first one, hell, even the second one and three, like it's, you know, they're about much more than just killing kids. But at the same time, that's, that's what why, we want. Right. That's why I love Friday so much. It's great that we, that we get this like gratuitous violence sure. as, as well as these kind of like enduring themes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's how it's different. And is, do you agree? Is that what you think as well? Yeah. You know, you, you just described how you feel about Nightmare, how you feel about Friday. Well, how, how do you feel about Halloween? I mean, do you just feel like it's a slat? Those are slasher films as no, well. No. So we've spoken about this before. We've ranked both of those, which are available on our feed at anchor.fm or iTunes. Shameless uh, plug. Anchor.fm slash ghoul squad FM. You can find us everywhere we are. It's on that website. Um, so yeah, I think it's way different than, so Halloween differs from both franchises because Halloween is more about the lineage, the family, the, mm. the characters, okay live on past each film and each entry is is about living on the legacy of the myers and in a way it's almost like star wars like it's the 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 skywalker legacy right so like halloween is all about the myers even people tangentially related to the myers like tommy doyle in six like it's just their cousins in part six right i think the one time it decides to 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 continue to to move on from the entire thing which is the worst movie in the franchise resurrection resurrection exactly where they just decide to put mike killing kids and i don't think it works the same at all it's a terrible movie it is a terrible movie so uh yeah so i think that's how it differs from friday and definitely um differs because it's more of a slasher film about the family i don't think as much about facing your fears um i think the first film of halloween is like kind of about abuse in a way but not that much um, but yeah, this film is more allegorical of like fighting, like you're saying, fighting your fears and stuff. Right. Uh, this franchise. Yes. Yes. So one last question. Okay. Wait and on I feel me. like this, this should be at the end of our ranking, but I'm going to put it here. So more people might hear it. Cause people are probably fucking tuning out by now. <laughs> I, do, I tuned out five minutes uh, into this shit. Yes. So, uh, why doesn't someone just do a new nightmare film? And, and this, this is, this actually will lead into my, uh, least favorite film, which I think I should do first. Okay, go but, ahead. Um, I'm assuming we're going to have the same least favorite. Why doesn't not. someone do a new Nightmare, uh, just like they're doing a new Halloween, right? And I understand New Nightmare was made, right? And I understand Wes Craven. That was 93. That was 93. I think. Uh, I think it was 96, I feel like. But you could be right. No, no, no. Because 96 was Scream. You're right. Um, but at the same time, of course, I understand Wes Craven has passed, right? So I understand that. But look sell like give this franchise to Blumhouse and just for go. real and also the most important thing about these films I we think need Robert back is Robert England just do another one with Robert England oh he said he won't do it oh you don't think he'll do it you don't you There's Robert Eng- Adam or let what? me tell you this Robert England goes to every single fucking he, convention is he just tired of the makeup and he makes money okay and that's fine I have no issue with that by the way but at the same time he'll do it Trust me, if they just give him some money, he'll do it. So he can say he won't all he, all he want. He would do it. Um, and just go back. Go back and do it. Hell, get Heather Langenkamp and go crazy. Forget the sequels. Whatever you want to do. Why is this a dead franchise? That bothers me. Right. Bo- and I know they remade it, but fuck the remake. You know, we can do whatever we want now. You know, I know it's already been done in comic book form. Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash. Yeah. Um, oh, I, you think it's time for that? I was just fantasizing in my head 
old Freddy versus old Ash. And like, I was just getting like super excited. Right. Like fireworks were just like going off in my head about the idea of these like two old protagonists you're, going at it. You're going to hate me for this. Okay. But that idea has never, I never thought that was ever possible in idea. film. No, in film. No, it's a great idea. Could you imagine the banter between those two characters? In film form, Whew. the reason I don't think that would have ever happened, I thought it was never going to happen was because I don't think, and this is, I might get shit for this. I don't think Evil Dead is popular enough to warrant the budget that that, that would take. Where I think Freddy versus Jason is an easy, it's Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. Everyone knows who those two people are. I, I feel like Evil oh. Dead is the horror film, but I also agree with you that but, it's nowhere near as popular but as... horror fans like Evil Dead and Army of Darkness, but other people may not. Is what I'm saying. I really like the idea of just like old characters returning. Because like, you're getting old? Well, that, but like the idea of like Robocop returns. How he's just going to be like an old fuck. That's going to be dope. Like yeah. I'm so excited about that idea. Hell, I mean, Star Wars is doing that, right? So right. that makes sense. Exactly. Um, he dog likes old fucks. I just don't want to be an old fuck. Okay. So I think all of this is to get to um, why don't they make a new one? Yes. And they did make a new one not that long ago. And 2010? I think 2010. And I guess because you've talked a lot, I'll just do my first Please one. Please do, Dom. Fucking mouth is dry. So I got you another water. You did. So my first... All right, how do we start this? This is the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise ranked. And my, my least favorite film we're going to start with. And my least favorite film you didn't rank. I, I did not rewatch the remake, guys. So my least favorite Nightmare on Elm Street film possible is the uh, 2010 remake. And the reason for that is it's just fucking pointless. It's it's rehash. It's not as good as a lot of the scenes that are in the original film. And I guess we won't talk it a lot. I'll read my notes, though, here for the remake. Okay. My main issue with the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street is... Uh, well, here we go. First big confrontation with Freddy. They completely missed the point. Um, the first time we really confront Freddy in the, in the first film uh, is... A girl falls asleep and the entire classroom changes into black and ashes. So when she falls asleep, all the kids disappear into ashes and the entire room is black, like blackened with ashes. And then Freddy's like by a chalkboard. Okay. And I think one of the most important things about this franchise is, and this is what I wrote in my notes. What was cool about the original was the familiar places mixed with a dream. That's what I love about this franchise. I love sitting in class looking over and Freddy's the teacher and no one else sees him and you're like, what the fuck? Or looking over in a hall, down a hallway that is familiar, not covered in ashes, a hallway of your school and there's a fucking body being dragged right. down the hallway. But it's a familiar location, but a terrifying image, right? Those are the things I love about it. This film completely mixed the part, uh, misses the part. I also wrote not enough real locations with Freddy. It's a bunch of annoying fucking, um, uh, there escapes. Yeah, but not really. They're, they're obsessed with this like warehouse idea. This, uh, the boiler, the room. boiler room idea. That's what the whole film hinges on. And I think I'll leave it at that so we can get to the real meat, the stuff we love. The remake sucks. Um, and the only other thing I have to say is the only thing that makes this movie okay is Rooney Mara. I think she's good in this movie. I don't think she's great, but she's she has a screen presence. No one else does. Uh, she plays fucking Nancy and uh, Thompson and doesn't hold a candle to that, but she does an okay job. The movie sucks. It's my least favorite. That is the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, you're going to hate me, though. 
like last time I watched that film, I remember thinking there was like some okay ideas that they dropped the ball on. Okay, like what? The idea that Freddy's potentially innocent. <laughs> Uh, I really like. Sure. I really like the micro nap idea where you stay where you stay awake for so long the brain is just going to shut down anyways. Yeah, which is what's happening to us right now. Right, because we we've been recording for the last six hours. Yes, I feel like they introduced some ideas, but you know they you know, ah, fuck it now. Nah. Yeah, it sucks. It's just and you know uh, real quick we'll just talk uh, Jackie Earl Haley. He as, was an okay choice, but he's no fucking Robert England. He's okay, but he's just like. He's just muttering. Is he is he wacky? Like is he Bugs Bunny? No, not is at he all. Like serious. He's he time? literally mutters every line. Because you know, do do you like to die? Because I'm gonna fucking kill you. And like you can't hear anything he's saying. He's muttering every line. It's annoying. Whenever I was rewatching him for this episode, I kept trying to pinpoint like when does Freddy just fucking? I can tell you. Go off. Let's get to that. Um. Because he's already doing like wacky shit in the he first is, one, you know. He's doing, you know, cutting off his fingers, extending no, his arms. No, but he's being scary when he's doing that. That there's a difference, right? Um, like that's it, fucked up. If a guy cut his fingers off and right, but I'm green saying, shit like, came out of his fingers. But I'm just saying, like he's already like, I don't want to say being jokey, but he's already like, wacky. He's doing gags already. Sure. I think like, Freddy is... Where, when in the franchise it's like, all right, now he's fucking Bugs Bunny. I can tell you. Okay, lay it on me, G. Well, I couldn't pinpoint it myself. I'd rather wait to get to that film. Okay. So that's the remake. I hate the remake. Eric didn't rank it. Eric, let's hear your least favorite. Freddy's fucking dead. Freddy's dog. dead. Okay, perfect. Jesus because Christ. It's, it's my least favorite next to the remake, right? It's my number seven, if you will. Uh, Freddy's dead sucks. I want to hear you talk about it. But Freddy's dead Do we is... we really need to talk more? I'm joking. Yes. Freddy's dead is Bugs Bunny. Yes. So you're saying it took six films for him to finally become Bugs Bunny? Well, I mean, where in the... Fr- I feel like maybe four? No, because Dream, Dream Master is where he's using the power glove. No, no, no. That's Freddy's dead. Okay, Freddy's dead. Freddy's dead is I'm fucking saying, Bugs Bunny. I'm saying, don't you think he's already doing like wacky shit like early on? He is, but he's doing it to... to, to I want to ins- say Dream Warriors was is like, all right, he's starting to get silly, you know... Welcome to primetime, bitch. Yeah. I mean, he always had one-liners. I don't I don't think he's Bugs Bunny this in Dream Warriors. is God. Yeah, but like... he's. I'm a, not saying that's wacky. I'm just quoting. I don't think he's Bugs Bunny in Dream Warriors. No. I'm saying that's where he starts... I'm, I'm saying Dream Warriors is when characters were like, okay, people want Freddy to do wacky shit. Sure. So talk Freddy's dead. Okay, Freddy's fucking dead is Freddy's terrible. Yeah. Okay, so... That's it? That's <laughs> it. <laughs> no, Freddy's dead. Uh, I guess All right, I, I guess dog. I let me let me jump start it. the conversation. I guess I dislike it because of how silly he is. He rides a fucking broomstick. Yep, it's he, stupid. He acts like he's exhausted uh, after doing certain stuff. Yep. Uh, I hate. They try to introduce more mythology to the character. Yep. There's the fucking uh, dream snake semen shit. Um, his fucking one liners are just terrible. Like. Uh, just like the idea of how they could simply kill him, the idea that he has a daughter, just fuck that movie, Doc. Um, I love it. I love everything you said. And also, okay, here we go. Okay. I'm ready for your... You're gonna, also, his makeup's bad in that one. You're going to be very upset. So I want you to react to this. Uh, my notes go, this is the Jason Goes to Hell of Nightmare Films. Well, yeah, Jason Goes to Hell is good. No, dude. This thing, this thing is... 
Um, it adds mythology that's bullshit like you're talking about with the fucking snake things. It, it, it's shot like a TV show. I don't know if you noticed that. Freddy's Dead is literally like shot reverse shot. The kills are terrible. It sucks. It sucks. So here's my notes. Maybe this will help. Convoluted mess of crap. Okay. Shot like TV. Freddy is literally a joke in almost every scene he's in. Right. He's never scary. He's never... He's never serious he's literally a fucking joke in every scene he's in he's playing a video game at one point for like an hour right um so it's a it's stupid deaf kid sequence starts great like it's actually a cool idea and they take the sound out of the scene like whenever he loses oh, his ear that's fucked up actually and he cuts the deaf kid's ear off yeah it starts out great but then it goes on for two hours while he drops oh, the pins God, and then so dumb duh and then freddy's the like pin drop freddy's like he's literally a magician making the chalkboard get bigger and bigger and bigger and then scratches it yeah it's so fucking dumb it's annoying and the score i don't even know if you noticed for the score for freddy's dead it's awful it sounds like it sounds like a temp score like they found it on youtube and put it in the movie the score for freddy's dead is awful freddy's dead is awful it sucks you're right the mythology's bullshit i will say i do think the main character is kind of hot his daughter uh yeah i think she's kind of hot so there you go yeah so freddy's dead That's our bad. least favorite okay uh let's do your next one eric Okay, my 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 second least favorite nightmare film is The Dream Child. I I think there's there's a good idea in this one. So in this one, so uh, you think Dream Child's better than or worse than Dream Master? I think The Dream Child is worse than The Dream Master. Really? Well, you're about to be blown away then. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, so, so your your se your second least favorite is The Dream Child. Please go and ahead. I think they had a good idea. So Alice is no longer afraid of Freddy. She's defeated Freddy, but yet somehow Alice, excuse me, somehow Freddy's returning. Yes. And they explain that by Alice is pregnant and that her baby is dreaming. And so Freddy is able to enter other people's dreams uh, since Alice has the ability to pull people into the dreams. Freddy's able to go to other people's dreams because her baby is dreaming. Yes. That sounded convoluted as fuck. But I think that's it's a good a cool, idea. It is a cool idea. It for sure is, yeah. What really, really bothers me about the dream child is they introduce us to these brand new friends of Alice's that we're just supposed to care about. Like, where the fuck were you in four? Yeah. You know, in four, we still have some of the dream warriors. And then all of a sudden, and and then uh, new kids... So that's what so that's what bothered me the most is there's just these um, new characters that we're just supposed to uh, care about, and that just rubbed me such uh, the wrong way because I like the Dream Warriors so much, I like the characters that they introduced in the Dream Master uh, so much that I just didn't give a fuck um, about these kids. Yeah, I definitely totally agree. I mean, um, so I fucked up my. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm actually we're at the same ranking right now. Um, dream child, dream child, right? Which is five and five I think is, is trash. Um, and you know, there's bullshit like super Freddy. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's riding the skateboard. There's the spa kill. Yeah. So dream child I have written here. Um, here's my notes for dream child because we're going to, I agree. It's actually, uh, it's the worst next to Freddy's dead and dream child, the fifth film, uh, my notes. Okay. Overcomplicated mess of whatever. Uh, cause you're right. It's just fucking convoluted bullshit. 
and uh, annoying characters. Oh God! And then and then remember, Alice keeps having dreams of her unborn son. Yeah. And Freddie's going after her. And he's her. like he's like that little child actor that's like whatever. Like right. it's stupid as fuck. Um so you know, uh the film does introduce like abortion questions because of Freddie. I was which I, I like that they put that out there. Yeah, I do like you know, like we could stop Freddie if you kill your baby. Yeah. And and even though that scene only lasts for thirty seconds, I'm glad they put that I in. I agree. There. This is why it's in my notes. I feel like it's a it's it is, it's broaching the topic. Right. It is an interesting thing to bring up. You know, what if Freddie, you could kill Freddie by aborting your baby. Right. I want my baby, blah, 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 blah. I do appreciate that. I agree. Um, the I rest agree. of my notes, overthinking the entire thing. Because the, the thing is just like a convoluted mess of mythology that's just fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't hate Dream Child. Like I hate Freddie's dead. It's just not good. It's just not fucking good. And I think this is a great example of why I think the Friday series is so much better, superior. Um, those movies don't start getting bad until eight, really. And eight's still good. I, I right. like I like uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. But that movie could be considered bad. Hell, seven could be considered bad, even though we, we love those films. We love those films. And I feel like these are bad. I, I don't consider these bad. These are fucking bad. And uh, my final thing is nonsense ending with his mom, the nun. Like, it's just nonsense. It's a nonsensical bullshit where, like, his mom is the nun and she comes and, like, takes him or some shit. I don't even remember. Right. Uh, it sucks. I agree. Yeah. I hate the shit on these, but I don't I don't like these movies. I honestly probably won't rewatch them again for 10 years now, now that we did this. Right. So Dream Child sucks. I agree. What's your next one? I right. think we're on the same page. Okay, so my next one is a film, uh, one that I originally would rank high, um, part two. Okay, wow. Freddy's Revenge. So this is where we separate. separate. So please conti- uh, please go ahead, part okay. two. Uh, you know, I find part two very slow. And I think I used to like it because I thought it was funny, um, like all the homoerotic sure. uh, overtones. And that no way bothers me. But I felt like that no longer uh, carried a nightmare film on its shoulders for me. I care more about having a good nightmare film than a film that they unintentionally put silly shit into. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it does. I, so I like part two. And, you know, I know it's like the redhead stepchild of the franchise for right. what you're saying. But I feel like that... I feel like... Even it's even though it's this early on, I feel like this is the Jason goes to hell of the franchise. I don't think so at all. It, I, oh, it's it it deviates so much from the right from what was previously established. And what's crazy, it's part two. But I think, you know, I'm gonna talk it. But I think this film is it's a it's a reserved film. Like this isn't thirty characters facing Freddy like superheroes, which I don't think the first film is right. So like. By the time we get to Dream Warriors, it's a different franchise. I feel like it's a totally different franchise. But the first film is very reserved and small. And it's kind of Heather Langenkamp versus Freddy while he kills her friends. And I think part two is, um, I can't remember his name, but the main character, his inner, his inner demon, which you've already explained as uh, you know homoerotic, um, coming out. And him trying to fight off that, which is an allegory with Freddy. So while, yes, it has goofy scenes, right, of him cleaning his room, right? It's fucking ridiculous, right? I that, do really, really like Clue Gallagher. That's a 30-second 
scene in a film that I actually do think is good. So I like part two, uh, Freddy's Revenge. You know, I, I I like that. I like when the, the bird blows up. Yeah. Okay, how'd you do it? Do you have firecrackers? Yeah. Uh, the part where Clue Gallagher is like washing the windows. Yeah. What he needs is a good goddamn kick in the ass. Yeah. You know, stuff like that is funny. Um, I just like... I don't like just Jesse. He's just like crying and yelling the entire film. I do love Grady a whole bunch whenever they invite Grady over to the uh, cookout. Yes. And they ask him, why can't he come? Because I pushed my grandma down a flight of stairs. Uh, I love that shit. Um, I don't know. It's just... It's too different for me already. Sure. Even though it's part two. It just... It's too... Um, I don't know. It just deviated too much from the nightmare ideas for me. Sure. I, I guess, so I'll talk about my favorite things about that movie whenever I talk about it, but I like it because I feel like it's still a small film versus Freddy. When I feel like the first film was like that, where like, as the franchise w- went on, it became this formula of like the kids being superheroes fighting Freddy. And while I do like that, and I think culminates, I think that idea culminates with dream warriors it doesn't begin. I mean, it begins it, but that's the best one version of that idea. I guess I don't agree with your idea of calling them superheroes. You know, it's like they have powers, but they're so minuscule, and like Freddy topples them so sure. easily that I feel like calling them superheroes isn't. I almost feel like the film doesn't deliver on the premise of sure. the powers that the kids have. I, and I, you're saying you like the more intimate setting yeah. of just, you know, a single person and Freddy. Fighting um, like this force, right? I, I guess, you know, with Dream Warriors, and I guess, you know, I'll talk more about that film here in a sec, but I just like those characters so much. Like, yeah. not so much that they yeah. have powers, but like, I like Kincaid, you know? Uh, I like the the mute kid, you know? I like the wizard kid, you know? Like, I, I like all those dudes. Uh, so, you know. What upsets me about the Dream Master is that they kill them off. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. My point isn't, it's not to diminish that they're, they have powers, but the films become about, I have this power, I have this power, I have this power, let's fight Freddy, right? So, and while it is evaluating their inner demon with that power, right? So I think that's cool. I think it's a boring formula after Dream Warriors. And I will say here, I like Dream Warriors more than part two. So don't get me wrong. I love Dream Warriors, but that's the last time that's good. And I appreciate that part two was still an intimate idea, even though, yes, it has goofy shit in it, of course. You know, and, and, you know, and in the later sequels, you know, they keep bringing up that, you know, Alice has, uh, doesn't she she also has the ability to bring yeah. people into her dreams yeah. like Kristen. But I never feel like any of the kids' powers are ever I don't know. They you know, they're never a threat to Freddy. At least that's no. how I feel. No. And and by, superheroes was a shorthand way to explain what I meant. But yeah, no, I'm I'm not diminishing it. It's just I, I would I would watch that fucking nightmare film. Which one? I'm saying if oh, they're superheroes. If, uh, super yeah, super you know, sure. I'm not saying like superheroes, superheroes, but like if kids had more of a fighting chance because of abilities they have against Freddy. I guess I like the vulnerable idea of the first film where you're powerless. Right. And I think it's, I, I mean, we're going to talk it. I think the, the, the original film is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like Freddy, I think is still scary. And I think in part two, which I guess we'll wait to talk about for me. Uh, I think part two, he's still scary. Uh, yes, there's goofy shit, which ruins the mood of the film i agree but there are scenes in the film that i think he is still a dangerous character and i don't find him dangerous or scary a second after part two he's just a well maybe new nightmare right but other than that he's terrorizing as fuck for sure in new nightmare i think 
No, but yeah, and that's New Nightmare. But the rest of the franchise before New Nightmare, which is its own thing, is I don't think he's scary for a second. He's, you know, basically a, a jokester that they have to fight with their powers in a way, which I'm not diminishing it. Again, I like Dream Warriors more than two. So you had part two. Yep. Um, As my third least favorite. I did not mean to film. take over your part two. Uh, I no, just like it. No, that was fine. my defense. No, that's good. That's fine. So my next least favorite okay. is, uh, let's see, it is the Dream Master. Oh, okay. So, I you know, I feel like these films bleed together for me. They do too. Like, I almost feel like if you like, if we were playing like Friday the 13th trivia and you named a scene, I could be like, bam. Oh, that's no sequel. question. No question. But four and five specifically Four, five, and films, six to me are like the same thing. It's like, is it just because they're the same aesthetic? I mean, wh- I think, why do you think uh, yeah. they kind of bleed into each other? I think they bleed in together because they're largely same ideas, mm-hmm. largely shot like TV. They're not interesting to look at at all. And the effects slowly go down in quality as it continues. Oh, boy. I disagree with um, you so strongly. I think the 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 effects in 4. 4 has the uh, souls in the chest, right? Uh, it has the soul pizza. Yeah. And my favorite fucking kill in the entire franchise, the cockroach kill. Yes. So God I, damn. And you know who that is? That's Screaming Mad George. Screaming Mad George and yep. uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve Johnson, right? They did the effects mm, for them? I just know Screaming Mad George Okay, for sure. I think they both did four. So I should say like the effects are good in four, but I just feel like they all bleed together. They're kind of similar plots. The kids, I think the main issue with these three films, four, five, and Freddy's Dead is uninteresting cast, uninteresting kids. And the biggest problem with four, which is what I'm on, is really frustrating recast. Like the fact that it's not Patricia Arquette. Right, it's a different Kristen. It's, uh, it's the same character, every, but it's a new actress. Every time I've done this franchise, I'm like, oh yeah, that's supposed to be her. And I spend the whole first half of the film trying to think it's her. But here's my defense. They kill her off and Alice becomes the new character. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I guess, yeah. It's just... I think the character I cared about in Dream Warriors wasn't Alice, right? Or uh, yeah, it was Kristen, and she's recasting killed in four, and that's you know part of I'm sure they couldn't get her back, but that's frustrating. That's I I like Dream Master, but I feel like that's its biggest sin. Oh no question. And maybe you know it's because you know because they couldn't get Patricia Arquette, or you know they just wanted new characters, but yeah, that disappoints me that they kill off the Dream Warriors, the remaining Dream Warriors. Yeah, well, and that's kind of what I'm getting at, right? So like not only is it not Patricia Arquette and she's recast and they kill her off, but they kill off the other Dream Warriors and you're like, "Oh, okay, so we're just starting from scratch." And in a way, and it's okay. Um so my notes for Dream Master, which I don't really hate, but I don't also love, is a really frustrating recast. Wonder how the film would have played out with Arquette because I feel like the film would have so much more weight if she were killed off actually being that same actress. It would have been like more impactful. The gravity yes. would feel so different. Like I'm looking at your dream warrior shirt right now. And like, you know, the fact that it's a different person, it's like, okay, she's dead, whatever. Like, it's almost like it doesn't matter, but if it was still the same actress, I feel like it would have felt weightier. And uh, so I wonder what the film, how it would have played the exact same film, but with her and then uh, too big, too stupid, and doesn't have any rules. I feel like it's just throwing rules out the window. Freddy can do whatever he wants, and at times feels like a roller coaster film. It never feels like it has its own like uh, pace. It's just like on its breakneck, annoying up and down speed towards its ending. I, I don't, I don't like it that much. You know, if you ask me, how do they defeat Freddy in four, and how do they defeat Freddy in five right now? I don't know. Yeah. 
I, I can't remember. I they bleed together. Those films yeah. And I don't know. All right. Uh, so I'm at a point now where I like all of these films. Yes. Which I'm now is stoked so, on these these next Friday films. So weird how long that takes. Eh, three films, but versus a few bad eggs. Friday, which I think we like all of them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So my next film, uh, and now I'm talking about nightmare films that I like. Um, this is our I, last four, right? We have four left. So four through one. Right. Uh, so these are our favorite four. Right. These are our top four. And at four for me is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Okay. Awesome. Um, I think Wes Craven introduced another brilliant concept. For sure. How night, how, excuse me, how Freddy is in fact a real world demon. And being in film, the demon was contained. But since the nightmare films have stopped, the demon is now loose. And it specifically goes after uh, Heather Langenkamp, who plays herself, because uh, she, quote unquote, defeated him uh, the first time around. Uh, Wes Craven plays himself, and you learn that he's writing a script to a new nightmare, but what he's writing is actually happening to Heather. Right. Um, very rev- reminiscent of Scream stuff. Right. Um, but it's very heavy on, is she just crazy? Is her kid uh, crazy. Right. Um, you learn that she's being stalked by a fan and it's fucking with her emotional wellness in addition to uh, her husband being away and California is just like suffering all of these crazy um, no, it's earthquakes. That's right. And I feel like Wes Craven just brought him back to being terrifying again yeah he has one terrible fucking line at the end whenever he's like trying to reach the kid yep he in the yeah yeah. i think he says i want your pretty soul or something but other than that like he's just a fucking menace yeah and you know what i kind of feel like this gives us a connection to craven like yes he wrote and directed multiple films for us to visit but i think it's extra special And and he doesn't even have that much screen time but I feel like it's extra special that we get to see him. Like, yeah. That we got to see him interact, or excuse me, we got to see him act in a nightmare film. And I kind of wish more horror directors would do that, had done that. Yeah, I mean. I mean, what else? I mean, other than digging up the marrow, what do we, and you know, we love Adam Green, but yeah. I mean, he's no Wes Craven. Yeah, digging up the marrow, new nightmare, kind of different. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's really special that we get to see the man who created this you know, I, special I do. franchise. I think that's awesome that he's there. I Hear, think hearing you that, say that, though, think about, like, I feel like that would be a case of, like, be careful what you wish for. Because, like, while while he's great in it, right, and this is cool. such a masterful idea, uh-huh. I would be concerned if, like, you know, this could go very wrong is what I'm saying. Well, I guess I guess maybe he did a good job of keeping his role minuscule. For, for sure, yeah. You know, I like the idea that Robert England plays himself absolutely i I feel it's kind of iffy how they just like push him out though of the film because they need to make it apparent that no this isn't robert england this is in fact a demon who's trying to kill heather langenkamp um well what i love is um i love his makeup i love how he looks different but he's like i like the trench coat i like the long jacket um his glove uh i like how it's like a bone it's like an exoskeleton thing um it's fucked up like he's fucked up in the movie i just i think you know he course corrected the franchise and unfortunately it was the last one yeah but in a way like maybe that's a good thing it was the last one right like hey i'm gonna come back i'm gonna do something like and this is what i was saying like while i do want a new one i understand new nightmare kind of did this 
But I'm just saying, like, it's been 20 years. Right. Fuck it at this point. Just do another one. I mean, what what's the worst that can happen? It's not yeah, good. You know, that's the, I mean, that's the thing with horror films. You know, we don't give a fuck about continuity. No. Well, <laughs> apparently people do, but who knows? People say they do, but fuck off. But they're all going to go see fucking Halloween. Of course. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, that so, was... That was Wes Craven's new nightmare. new nightmare. That is my fourth favorite. Right. This is that's kind of confusing saying that, but please give me your. Uh, I guess number four. So my number four is uh, I'm not going to talk a lot because, but I'll tell you my favorite parts of part two. Okay. So my number four is part two. I think it's better than the Dream Child, Dream Master, Freddy's Dead is fucking awful, and the remake. Um, but I feel bad for having it four because I actually really do like this film. That's kind of why I was defending it to you. Well, I do think. It clearly has this whole subtext, right? You've already sort of explained it. And it does have that subtext. But at the same time, I do think it's a cool movie about a kid terrified of Freddy. And I do think Freddy's scary. I think the scariest, one of the scariest scenes in the franchise is when Freddy comes to the real world and fucking attacks the pool party. The pool party. But don't you feel it's over underwhelming though? Well, it is. He's, but, in, he's in the real world, but then, like, what does he do? He kills, like, two kids, and then he bounces. But I I, I hate to tell you this. I also kind of like that, that it's like a glimpse. And it's like, because every time I see this film, I know that I love this pool scene, right? Mm-hmm. But then even this time I rewatched it, he pops out and slashes some kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy fuck. Uh, that kid doesn't even, he's never dreamt of Freddy. Right. Does it, like, he was just killed by him. I think it's a dangerous rule-breaking scene that honestly this scene sells me the film i think it's fucking awesome um the idea that you know we always see freddie killing people right but he's killing people that have been dreaming about him that know him that there's all these things that have gone into you know there's all this foreplay essentially that's gone into the death right mm-hmm. but for him to pop out and there'd be all these fucking people at a pool party and him slash kids which you're right not that much slashing happens but i'm not kidding every time i go holy fuck like he just killed kids that don't know him, that have nothing to do with him. I feel like it's a dangerous moment in the film, and I really like that. I feel like it's vis- more visceral than most stuff. And these, I think, these films stop being visceral after this movie. Uh, maybe New Nightmare, but like the first film is visceral, especially my favorite scene in the whole fucking movie. And then I think Part Two has moments of visceralness. Obviously, you know, it does have goofy shit, right? I'm not saying it's a perfect film in any way. It's my number four. <laughs> But I really do like uh, Freddy's Revenge. I, I knew it was going to be something I'd have to defend because I feel like it's like everybody's you know redheaded stepchild of the franchise. But I do appreciate the film. And I do think his girlfriend, which is funny to say, but his girlfriend in the film is actually pretty hot in the movie, I think. So there you go. Uh, she's, that's, she's really the hero. She is, yeah. More than Jesse. She has to save Jesse from yes. Freddy. Um, but yeah, that pool scene, man, that, that makes the whole film for me. So uh, that was my number four. That is part two, Freddy's Revenge. Eric, we're getting down to it. We are. Nitty gritty. What number is three? Your number three. My number three is part three. Okay, cool. Uh, Dream Warriors. Um, I think it's a fantastic idea. Uh, these kids, you know, I just said, you know, they, they're, they're not too impactful, but I like the idea that they possess powers. Yes. Um, and then I just kind of like those kids so much. You know what I find super creepy? You know, I feel like... They did a good job of expanding the mythos. This is when we learned that he's a bastard son. Yes. Of a hundred maniacs. Is it a hundred or a thousand? Uh, I can't remember. I am the son of a thousand maniacs. I have maniacs. to say, one of my favorite things in the films, which I feel like 
That's a terrifying fucking idea. Like, that's fucked up. My favorite, some of my favorite parts of these films, which I feel like kind of goes away as the films go on, is the scenes where Robert England's in the film, but not as Freddy. You like that or don't? I love that. Oh, okay. Um, and and he's one of the inmates. Yes, he's one of the inmates. He's just walking around. All fucked up. Um, I love when he's just, uh, he's the bus driver in part two. Yes. And he's just. Uh, driver! I love that shit. Driver! Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't I, know. There's something really cool about seeing him in it. And it's like, it, that's not Freddy. Because he doesn't look anything like him, but it's fucking Robert England. I, I guess I feel, I like, I like part three so much. It's just because I feel like they introduced uh, just cool story ideas. Yeah. Uh, to Freddy and to these kids. His mom was this nun who was locked in a mental institution uh, over a holiday and was raped by over 100 dudes. Was pregnant. That's how he was born. Um, and yet, it's somehow simpler than the rest of the sequels with its mythology. It makes sense. Right. And it's, you know what? So there's the main... Uh, okay, he's not the main psychiatrist, but at the institution for the kids, like he, he keeps having a run-in yeah. with his mom. I find that really creepy. Yeah. Like he'll like look over and she's there and he'll look over again and she's gone. It almost feels like that Exorcist almost, 3. That almost creeped me out. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know. Like I... like. I found that scary. Well, of course, you grew up Catholic, so yeah, think tons nuns, of Catholic guilt here. Nuns are terrifying. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I went to a Catholic school for six years. I went for one uh, kindergarten through fifth grade, and the they uh, kicked me out after kindergarten and said, "Get out of here, you heathen!" No, he, he but was, I went he, for one year. Uh, the principal, when I was in kindergarten, her name was Sister Mary Kylie, and you know the shawls that nuns. Shout out. <laughs> yeah, because she's gonna be listening. Uh, what? You, what? You know the like the shawls that like nuns wear, like that covers their yeah. hair. She used to tell us that it was covered because she had eyes in the back of her head, and she didn't want us to see them. See, this is the thing she, about religion. She was telling us that you know, so we would behave. It, but you believed fucking, it. But five year old E dog is just terrified that this nun has four fucking eyes. Yeah. This is what's terrifying about religions is they, that they, they say this scary bullshit, and, and you believe a young it. Person, yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay, so I love those kids. I love the ideas that they introduce. Yes. I love that Heather's back. I think Heather Langenkamp is a fucking American treasure. I love her in the film she's in. I I think she makes Dream Warriors for me. I, I think she's amazing. And the first film is, in my opinion, carried by Heather Langenkamp. Uh, I like that they try to kill him off. You know, they they try to give them a conclusion. Obviously, it wasn't going to happen because the films were successful. And, you know, it's a simple idea. They just need to bury his bones in Hollywood yeah. ground. Oh, John Saxon. John Saxon yeah. returns. I don't know. It's really... I just... They introduce new, fresh ideas. I love it, man. I feel like... Okay, so I said New Nightmare was a course correction. What well, for me, Dream Warriors was the first course correction. I love it. Uh, I'll talk about it next, I guess. That was my third favorite nightmare. What is your third favorite nightmare? My third favorite nightmare is New Nightmare. Okay. And we already kind of talked it. Um, it's I think it's a masterpiece from Wes Craven in the sense that he had to make a sequel to his franchise. It's almost like, you know, I was, I was going to say never been done before, but I kind of feel like we're getting that in a way with Halloween. But it, it's, it's a insanely high concept and it's meta and shouldn't work but does works really well because like you said they make freddy into like this menacing uh being right he's a demon and he's gonna fucking kill you and your kid 
the fucking part when he like you see his like true form. Yeah, it's like a demon head with horns, and his jaw opens up so yep. he can eat Heather's son. Like that's fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked up, and it's it's just awesome, dude. I love this film. Um, and I love having Heather Lane camp back. I mean, any film I can get her in, I'm in. Um, and you know, I think her kid is slightly annoying. I agree. In the film, what's weird uh, is that dude's the, like a bodybuilder now in real life. A bodybuilder, a bidder, bodybuilder. Um, Somehow I came across his Instagram, and he's just like this ripped fucking dude now. Are you following him? No, uh, I'm just kidding. I love that they were. Oh yeah, the kid is is kind of annoying. I feel like if I had to say anything about the film, one, it's a little too long, and I, two, uh, I think the kid's annoying. I feel bad saying this, but I almost find Heather annoying as well. I mean, but that's the character because she's yeah. like so stressed. Yeah, and I understand that. I understand that. But like, when I like, just like her. But like when nightmares playing on the TV, and she's like, oh, "Don't be watching that." Yeah, you know, you don't like that. Yeah. So the dinosaur uh, stuff is kind of silly, you know. Yeah. That, that he's protecting him from Freddy coming up from out of the bed. I really like that sequence though. Whenever she slides into the bed in order to make it to like Freddy Demon's yeah. world, I, w- I don't know if it's my favorite scene in the movie, but the scene that I feel like reignites some of the trauma and insanity of the first film is the highway scene. Nope. Okay. Cause that's fucked up is the, uh, like babysitter chick getting thrown all over the walls and cut up in the, in the hospital. That's when they're like, this Freddie ain't fucking around. And, and that's why, but that's what's cool is in the original film. That's that when the film announces to you, wake the fuck up. Right. This shit is Freddie's coming for you. Right. And it's fucked and it's brutal. It's so good when you can I love it. S- when you can see him. Because you know, we see shots of just her body being yeah. pulled across the ceiling. But then there's also like shots of like Freddie walking on the wall yeah. while he's pulling her. It's fucking tight. It's incredible, man. I think it's I think it's like the crown jewel of that of the franchise is those two scenes in my opinion. Um but yeah, so I love New Nightmare. That's my number three. I guess we're on to your number two. We're on to number two, and you're not going to believe me. It's Dream Master. It's part four. That's embarrassing. And, oh, fuck you, da. Fuck you. Oh, fuck you, and da. It's, and it's primarily because of the It gore. is 1046 at night. And we are still And recording. you're telling me your number two favorite. You like it more than Dream Warriors? And it's because of the effects. Wow. And you know what? I like the new kids. I, I, I'm sitting here. Easy as a simple man. I'm sitting here. I'm bitching and complaining that they kill off Kristen. They kill off Kincaid. They kill off Joey. There's that wacky scene where the dog fucking pisses on his bones and he comes back. Uh, I, I don't know why that happens. He pisses fire. He pisses fire. Uh, I do like that scene in Dream Warriors, though, whenever the doctor is fighting Freddy's skeleton. That's yeah, kind of fun. it's kind of reminiscent of like Army of Darkness. Yeah. Right, exactly, because it's like that uh, Howerson, you know, stop motion. Yes, um, uh, Harryhausen. Yes, Howerson. Yeah. I, when, when, it's, do I, when do I ever pronounce a name correctly, Doc? I was just saying it's yeah. Harryhausen. Um, but you know what? I like the new kids that they introduce. I like wow. Alice. I'm shocked. I'm shocked, Doc. I like Alice's... This is me shocked late at night. Brother. I like the drunk dad. Um... That is something that we haven't talked about in this franchise at all, which I feel like is kind of overlooked. The parents? Is how fucked up all the parents are. Right. But I love... That's the idea, right? Yes. Yes. No, I know. I love Wes Craven starting at this place where, like, obviously your parents have made mistakes um, with the Freddy stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But also just, like, no one's parents are, like, perfect people. Right. And, like, I feel like it's so easy to relate to... And it's like your parents' problems coming down to you and stuff. I love that stuff. I, lo- I love all of that. Right. We haven't we hadn't touched on it, so. Uh, I guess I'm a practical effects guy. Yeah. And four kind of 
Is Freddy's brings that home? To is me. Freddy's dead the one with Freddy Vision? The fuck is Freddy Vision? It's like all those horrible effects, like the digital effects that they did. That must be Freddy's dead. Yeah, it is. It's awful. But um, please, tell I already, me. I already mentioned uh, the cockroach kill is just so good. Is is for the one, uh, the soul pizza. Oh, you tell me this is your number two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where Alice is meeting uh, her boyfriend. But they've they've fallen asleep and they keep running to the truck. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I I really like Dream Master and it completely surprised me. I would have. That's said, crazy. I would have said that was one of my least favorite films, but upon revisiting it, uh, and you know, even though they kill off the remaining Dream Warriors, at least at least we get some more time with them. For sure. I mean, you know, I don't outright hate four, but the idea, you know, the recast, the killing off the Dream Warriors, and and the. I just feel like it's too big and dumb, I, and I, they start to focus on which you're saying you like, which is fine. Uh, they start to focus solely solely on like the big effect sequences and stuff. Yes. And while you're saying you like that, I like the more intimate craziness of the first film and even the second film. Um, but yeah, just a tiny bit of trivia about Part Four. It was the most commercially uh, successful one. Well, that's good to hear. Yep. Um, I like. Alice's brother, how he's like into like the stupid kung fu, and then like whenever he yeah. like fights him, uh, Freddy's fucking invisible. Blah blah blah. Um, I don't know. I like. I really, really. This time around, I was just like, Dream Master's fun. That's crazy, man. I mean, that's awesome. I'm happy to hear it. But uh, but uh, your prerogative, not mad at you. But uh, that's amazing. You're too, though. He Eric is sitting in front of me wearing a Dream Warriors T-shirt, and he's telling me he likes uh, Dream Master over it. So there you go. Um, well, you know, Doc, at Fright Rags, I didn't see a Dream Master t-shirt. And when it comes up, you better fucking buy it. So, my number two is, quite simply, Dream Warriors. Okay. Because it's so goddamn good, and we've talked a lot about it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're running long on this podcast. I really want to talk about the original film, uh, which, if you haven't figured out, we have not spoken about. Right. But uh, Dream Warriors, it's absolutely fucking incredible. I love Heather Langenkamp back in this. I don't think she's annoying or, or what. Go ahead. Do you feel like the way they take him out is very just underwhelming? It it is, but I I like the characters so much. I like the I just I feel connections to these characters, and I feel like every film after three, and you probably disagree because you like four. Mm-hmm. Every film after three, the characters are just disposable, just shitheads, and I don't give a shit about any of it. Um, and it that, gets, well, that's definitely how I feel about the characters in five. It's too big and too stupid, and I like this film because while it is big, it is really focused on the characters, really focused on Heather Lane Camp trying to help them, and I love her struggle trying to explain to the the psychiatrist guy or whatever. And they introduce Hypnosil in this one. Hypnosil, exactly, which suppresses dreams. And I really like that she's like, you need to prescribe them with this pill. And they're all like, no, we can't. And she, I like her struggle trying to tell them. And this is weird to say because I usually don't like this. But I think I like when they finally all accept it. Like, this is what's fucking happening. We have to go defeat this shit. And I love that. Like, it's a big culmination. I feel like this is the end of the franchise for me until New Nightmare. Um, I don't like four. I don't like five. I think Freddy's Dead is atrocious. So I feel like this is how different the franchises are between like Friday and nightmare Friday. I love all those fucking movies. Right. And I, I don't love a single movie other than new nightmare past dream warriors. And I think dream warriors is, um, I oftentimes call part four of Friday. So, um, the final Friday, I guess what it's called, right? 
part four. I'm having a micro nap over here. Friday the 13th part four. I often call the ultimate Jason film. I think that is when, if people want to watch a Friday the 13th movie and they don't give a shit about the franchise, watch part four. I think they should watch part four. If you're not watching the original film, which is a fucking national treasure, um, Dream Warriors is the way to go. You get the most Freddy. He is wisecracking. He is fun, but it's menacing still. But menacing to a point and not Bugs Bunny. So I do like uh, Snake Freddy. Yeah, Snake Freddy's great. I like Snake Freddy eating Patricia Arquette. You know, they're all in the mirrors. Joey finally finds his voice. Yes. Breaks the mirrors. And then and then what do they do? They just like open up a window and the and the sun hits Freddy and he fucking fills himself with holes. Yeah, it's guys. not it's not a perfect ending, but I think the characters make up for that. Like, that's the thing. If you can ground your film with good characters and good you know, it does all this other shit isn't important. That's my thing. It's just, you know, I'm not saying it's a perfect film, but I think it's a perfect Nightmare on Elm Street film. And that is my number two, Eric and myself. We have reached our, our number one nightmare. And if you're keeping count, and you know it is Wes Craven's original masterpiece. And why don't, why don't you start on this one? Street. Okay. Uh, I kind of feel like I've already said everything that I like about this film. For sure. Um, that it's just a genius idea that I like the idea of overcoming your feel fears, um, your feels, your feels and your fears. Uh, maybe your feels are your fears. Um, it's the first introduction of an iconic character. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's, I, I almost feel like it's just kind of the perfect film. I definitely think it is. Um, you know, I think. Uh, you know, rewatching this movie, I remember I text. I think we texted back and forth about how good it was. Like, da, this the original film is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like, when you watch Nightmare on Elm Street, at least when I do, um, I always kind of forget. You know, I think about the sequels. I think about you know, first right. film's good. I think about how I like Friday Thirteenth and Halloween more. Right. I think about those things. Rewatch that first film. Fuck the sequels. Fuck everything. This movie is a goddamn masterpiece. Like. I don't know. And like I was, I mean, we've already kind of said it, but I love this film exploding with violence when uh, really the first big death occurs. Tina. When Tina gets thrown around the room and sliced open and blood goes everywhere and she falls down. And it's it's such a long scene. Like it's funny because they recreate the scene in the remake, but the remake is so modern in its filmmaking that they they can't take the time to actually play the scene out it doesn't take that long to happen. And what I love in this film is it just makes you, it's immersive in that kill. Like you have to sit there with that fucking guy and watch this chick get thrown around and sliced open for like a minute. And, and I like the following story element of like, they They, assume Rod uh, killed her. Yes. And he's on the run and then they catch him and then Freddie fucking kills him in prison. He hangs him. So it just looks like he killed himself. It's really good. It's a perfect film, dude. And I just think that that is like the crown jewel of the franchise to me is that scene because I feel like it's the most immersive kill. Um, It's absurd. You know, I think my favorite fucking moment is in the first film. So she decides that she's going to pull him in. Yes. To the real world uh, because she's pulled in some of his sweater at one point. Yes. So she comes back and she's like, I guess it didn't work. And then he fucking pops up from yes. behind her bed. Yes. Like, holy shit. Like, he, she, she even says those words like, guess it didn't work. Well, and, and he feels... You were so wrong. He's he, right behind you. And when he feels... He feels dangerous in that scene. Because mm-hmm. for one of the only... I mean, I feel like one of the only couple times in the franchise, 
you know, it's a holy shit moment. You're like, oh my God, like this. He's there. He's in the house. Terrifying. I mean, you and know. she can't get out because her alcoholic mother has boarded up the house yeah. from the outside. And I love how delusional her alcoholic mother is, but uh, I love all that stuff. But, and then just like the part where she's like calling her dad. Yeah. And she's like, I'm coming. You need to be here because he's going to be here. Yeah, just be here, dad. Um, I love Heather Langkamp in this movie. I think she's so like, she has perfect screen presence. Like you just sympathize with her instantly just because of how good she is. And uh, my favorite line from the entire film goes, nope, it's just, it was Fred Krueger, mom. Fred Krueger. He's introduced as Fred Krueger in the uh, credits. Yes. But I love Heather Langkamp saying, it's Fred Krueger, mom. It's so funny. You know what's really fucking good? I love it. Is the score. Oh, it's fantastic. Whenever she first meets him in the boiler room and he like physically comes after her. Yeah. That's a hot little number. Yes. And I also, um, you know, I love the the big arms, you know, whenever he has his arms stretched out. And I love how, while yes, you're saying he's like Bugs Bunny when he cuts his fingers. I love how- I'm just saying he's already doing gags. It is a gag. I mean, that is a scary idea. But it it's, okay, picture you're in a nightmare and there's a guy and he fucking has knives on his fingers and he cuts his fucking fingers off and you're in a dream and, you know, the blood is green and squirting out and he's laughing. Um, that would be terrifying. Right. So I think, like, we, we, we compare it to the rest of the franchise, but in this film, he's- Wes Craven is desperately trying to mimic dreams. And I think that's just like an insanity moment in a nightmare. And I also love his use of the stairs when she's trying to go up the stairs and it's like jelly. I love that shit. Um, I love any time they can incorporate like dreamlike stuff. Like when you get, um, I can't remember what film it is, but the waterbed, when he can't get back to the top of the waterbed. That's four. So in four. When he kills Joey. um, That is one of the. I've had that dream where you where you're in a pool and you can't make it to the top and you're drowning and then you wake up. Um, that's such a great idea. I love when they use dreams, real dreams that people have a lot. I like how Joey is screwed over both times because he's fantasizing because he's trying to have a wet dream. And also one of the most ultimate tongue tied Joey. One of the most ultimate. And uh, he's literally tied by tongues. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one of the ultimate uh, imagery that lives on past film. Uh, that exists in culture is uh, Heather Langkamp in the tub and the 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 knife hand coming out. I mean, it's just that's a really fucking scary part when he pulls her under and she's just in that's this, it, like, right? Huge body of yeah, water. and she can't get to the top, right? Because she yeah, yeah. a fucking national treasure, an incredible film. Uh, I guess I guess I'm at a nitpick that ending, but I guess they forced him to do that. Yeah, that ending. You know, it's they, whatever. All the kids are alive and they get into that fucking car, and then the top is. Very I, sweater colors. I hate I, that. I do like whenever he pulls her mom into uh, the yeah. window and she's just like a fucking a blow dummy. up doll. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind. That sucks, but I mean, that no way diminishes the quality right. of the film. Right. I mean, the film could have very well ended right before that. Right. You know, so I just think it's, I don't know, man. It's a perfect film from beginning to end. And I, I sorry, I, I just love that in how she just finally decides like, I'm not fucking afraid of you. And it's right as he's like about to swing at her. Oh, he's like leaning into yeah. her and then he just fucking so disappears. I have that. My only notes are favorite lines, Fred Krueger, mom. I love that. And then uh, the only other note I have is at the end, uh, Heather Langkamp tells him, you know, you're nothing. And she says, you're shit right. to his face. And I know it sounds like probably dumb on here. I love that in the film. Yep. Like I, that's what you're getting at. I love when he's about to get her and he, she's like, you're shit. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I just, she's just great in the film. 
And uh, I'm yeah. your boyfriend now, Nancy. Yes. God damn it's so good. It's excellent. It's amazing. And with that, I think we finally reached the end of this goddamn podcast. No, it's 11 p.m. Let me check it. Let me see what we got. What do we got? Three hours. Okay, not bad. Three hours, 38 minutes. So uh, you folks out there are listening to us. You're going to hear us drag on here at the end. As we normally do. And we always do. And we're going to try to end this podcast. But I'd like to say uh, the end podcast probably won't be three hours and 38 minutes because a pee break occurred that you will not hear. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for going on this journey with us. This podcast was long because it took us forever to record. Um, But... Eric, do you want to tell them what we're going to do next on our next episode? Uh, so we're going to take it easy. Yes. Um, next month, we have two exciting films to look forward to, The Nun and The Predator. And our plan is to do a review episode of both of those films. Right. So it'll be a full-on reviews of those films, including spoilers. Right. We want to go deep. Yes. We do. We want to go deep on The Nun and The Predator. Correct. So um, that'll be really exciting. We also are going to do a fun segment you had an idea for. Uh, we wanted to do it on this episode, but we were just going so goddamn long. Uh, <laughs> after the last drive-in uh, happened on Shutter, I saw where people were tweeting uh, what 13 films they would pick if they were tasked with hosting a 24-hour horror marathon. And so what Keegan and I have done, we've picked what 13 films we would pick, but we will reveal that uh, next episode. Yes, yeah, so it'll be like our own Joe Bob Briggs marathon idea of just films that we like. Uh, uh, Keegan Bob and E-Bob. Keegan Bob and E-Bob. Last drive-in. And uh, honestly, I think that's it. I'll, uh, since I made you talk, I'll say uh, where you can find us, which is at Ghoul Squad FM on everything. Uh, Twitter at Ghoul Squad FM. Instagram at Ghoul Squad FM. Uh, if you're looking for us for our, our podcast, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Google Play Music, I think as well. All of those links are available at anchor.fm slash Ghoul Squad FM. And Kiki also uploads each episode to our Facebook that's a great point. So we're also on Facebook. So there's no reason you can't listen to us. Unless you just hate us, which is a great reason. Which we hope you do because this shit has gone on way too long. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, th- like honestly, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for going with us on this journey. And thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Right, Eric? Yes. And with that, I guess we have to play. You back up. Goes you back up. Goes you back up. All right. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode where we review The Nun. And the Predator. See you later.